do have a, a certain criteria for, for what I need in housing. So I will have to remain here until that opportunity arises. Mm. Otherwise, I'm stuck for life with a place that I'm not going to be happy in. David Cameron's arrived in Washington for talks with President Obama about a free trade deal between the EU and the United States. The visit comes amid heightened tensions within the Conservative Party about Britain's future in Europe. Gunmen have opened fire on a Mother's Day parade in New Orleans, wounding at least 19 people. Most of the injuries aren't said to be life-threatening. The motive for the attack is not clear. Monica Hernandez, a reporter at the local station WWL-TV, explained who the casualties were. Two 10-year-old children as well as 10 adult males and 7 adult females. Uh, We do know that three people are in critical condition right now in the hospital. Uh, Those two children who were wounded were uh, grazed by bullets, and they are right now in good condition. A new report on the government scheme to give credit to small firms is recommending that the criteria are relaxed to allow more companies to benefit. Lord Young, who's the government's enterprise advisor, says age restrictions for loan applicants should be lifted. In sport, Watford's Troy Deeney's admitted that scoring the winning goal in yesterday's dramatic championship playoff win over Leicester was an emotional moment for him. The goal takes the Hornets to the Wembley final in two weeks' time. Deeney missed part of the season while serving a jail sentence for a fray. Man, it was a great save, great double save. And um, yeah, this is what this is what dreams are made of. You know, I don't like to go back to the internet, but you know, eight months ago, I weren't even here, and you know, it's a bit emotional. You know what I mean? The weather: sunshine, showers, and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius. That's 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk/threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning, including, hey, guess what? There's been another shooting in Luton over the weekend. This time, it's a 16-year-old boy. Well, police are offering a £1,000 reward for information. Do you think they're doing enough? We talked about the Hatfield stage a while ago. Well, it was used for the first time at the weekend for an acoustic folk concert. It cost 27 grand for the stage. Did you know about the event this weekend? No, I I would imagine you probably didn't. We'll find out what happened when our reporter went along. And pregnant women could be asked to take a breath test to prove they're secretly not smoking. Anything wrong in that? I'll say it now. If you smoke while you're pregnant, then shame on you. Shame on you. You're a bad mum. Naughty. You can't disagree with that, can you? Well, it turns out some people might be able to. Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can send me a text, 81333. Or the best way to get in touch, of course, you can give me a phone call. 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, at the weekend about uh, if you uh, no I was on Sky actually I said if you smoke when you're pregnant then, then shame on you very very bad I got quite a lot of abuse from people I can't believe anybody would disagree with the simple statement that smoking when you are pregnant hey guess what it's bad it's a bad thing to do isn't it Obvi- obviously if you do it you're an idiot Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. well another weekend and another shooting in Luton 
The latest incident happened in the early hours of Saturday morning when residents reported hearing gunfire in Thricknells Close in Marsh Farm. A 16-year-old boy was found with a gunshot wound to his back. He's now in a serious but stable condition in hospital. Well, police are offering a whole £1,000 reward to anyone who gives the police information that leads to the arrest and conviction of any offender who's involved in gun crime in the town. Let's be honest, you're going to take the risk? For a grand, it's not a lot of money, is it? Really? To put your, yourself and your family in potential jeopardy, £1,000? Well, Justin Dealey has been following this story over the weekend. Justin, you've been speaking to Bedfordshire Police. What have they been saying? I have. Um, it's the ninth shooting, but of course it's the 16th gun-related incident in the town this year so far, which is uh, a staggering figure, really. I've been to meet Andrew Richer. He's the Assistant Chief Constable of Beds Police. He says that Luton is still a safe town, Ian. He says it's uh, just small numbers here, small numbers of offenders in a defined area. So I asked Andrew whether gun crime in Luton is totally totally out of hand and this is how he responded. We don't think it's getting totally out of hand but what we are doing is we're escalating our response uh, in uh, proportion to the threat which clearly we are concerned is increasing so we're more than doubling our resources on the ground at the current time uh, and we will be um, putting a lot of people on the ground to deter anyone from carrying weapons in this area of town and anyone doing so can expect to be stopped by armed patrols, uh, searched, arrested and prosecuted. Uh, at the same time, we do need members of the public to come forward and help us uh, and provide information. We need mothers, brothers, sisters uh, to give us information about the small group of offenders who are perpetrating these offences in their own interests and the interests of members of the public. We cannot tolerate this level of uh, criminality and uh, we will engage this criminality extremely hard. Why haven't you done this before, bearing in mind it's the, the 16th incident this year alone? Yeah, we have been uh, using the same uh, tactic, but uh, as I say, we're escalating our response in proportion uh, to the escalating threat. We recognise concern about the numbers of incidents we've had, and we share that concern, so we think we need to escalate our response. Just be honest, would you want to live in Luton? I, I have lived in Luton for... But right now, would you want to live there right now? I, I, I would be content to live in parts of Luton at the moment, yeah. The people that I speak to, they are scared. A lot of people are thinking about leaving the town. And people say to me that, that you as the force, the police, you're not doing your job properly. How would you respond to that? All I can say is we uh, are doing an awful lot to confront this problem. We've got lots of investigative resources looking at each of the incidents. Uh, we are employing covert tactics, so you can't necessarily see everything we're doing. And now we are substantially increasing the level of resources we're uh, putting on the ground, although they were, they were considerable to begin with, but we're putting even more now uh, to actually tackle this problem. And we will do what it takes uh, to get on top of this problem uh, and uh, reduce these instances of firearms being illegally discharged. Have you lost control of the situation now? No, uh, I don't uh, agree with that at all. We are uh, working extremely hard to map and understand this criminality and to work out how we can target these offenders. Uh, we're executing uh, warrants every week. Uh, we've executed a number already. Uh, we've made a number of arrests over the past uh, few weeks. We've recovered ammunition and firearms. We are engaging criminality extremely hard. It is quite an intractable problem, but 
Uh, we have an extremely good track record of targeting offenders effectively in this way, and I'm confident that we'll bring people to justice. So despite everything that's happened this year, with 16 incidents, uh, gun-related incidents, with nine shootings, you're saying right now, on the record, you feel that you're doing the very best that you can to fight this? Yes, uh, and uh, I have no doubt that in due course we will successfully target the offenders, the small number of offenders who are responsible for this, uh, and that we will see a decrease in the number of discharges of firearms. And you're confident of that? I am confident. Because every single weekend, every single week right now, it seems like there's another shooting. To be quite honest with you, we as a radio station, the people of Luton, we're getting bored of this right now. Yeah, and I, I, I understand we're certainly not bored with it. We recognise that there's a, a pattern here uh, and that people are right to be concerned. We are very concerned as a police force, and as I've explained, we're escalating our response in proportion to the threat. Well, Justin, I'm just looking at a press release that I've got from the uh, Beds Police Twitter, mm. and oh, look what it says here. Patrols already in the ground in sin- significant numbers will be doubled and will be using stop and search powers. Oh, that was my idea last week. <laughs> I was going to say, and actually, said, that, that they, was your idea, They yes. said, no, we're not going to do that. Because mm. it was, well, you're doing it now, about Absolutely. blooming time as well. Uh, and what they're saying as well, off the back of that, on Saturday, um, I did put the point to them, is that going to cause you more trouble? And what they said was, well, with the current situation, people, I'm sure, won't mind being stopped, they won't mind being searched, as long as we can stop these shootings in Luton. So That's they will they be doing that. It week. does sound a little bit uh, convenient, because this, of course, it was your idea Thank last you week. I've much. got to give you credit Thank for that. You very much maybe the chief of police and also let's be honest justin right if you know your next door neighbor has got a gun Mm. or your son's mate you're not going to grasp them up for a thousand pounds are you not for a thousand pounds if you're watching a program like crime watch when do they ever say we've got a reward and it's a thousand pounds i've never heard such a a weak reward um i've heard twenty thousand pounds thirty thousand pounds i don't think people will come forward and it was quite interesting there uh, listening to andrew saying would you live in luton yes i would i'll be quite happy to live in certain parts of luton make of that what you want i picked up on that as well justin Dealey, excellent stuff we'll be speaking to you uh, a little bit later on oh eight four Five nine, four double five, five double five. Well, do you think Beds Police are doing enough? Well done on doubling the patrols. Stop and search. We weren't so keen last week when I suggested it, but it appears they'll be doing it. That's a great step. What more could they do to put your mind at ease? Oh eight four five nine, four double five, five double five. And would you go to the police for a thousand pounds reward? I... These days, it's nothing, is it? 81333, start your text, 3CR. There's been so many things that's held us down. But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know But we won't let nothing hold us back We're putting our shirts together We're polishing up our act And if you've ever been held down before I know you refuse to be held down
BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. If you smoke while you're pregnant, you're a very naughty, bad mum. Should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely ashamed. What terrible thing to do. Is there anybody listening who can defend that? Who says, whoa, hey, hang on a second. I smoked when I was pregnant. It didn't do me any harm. It was fine. Absolutely fine. I had a tweet from a gentleman uh, over the weekend when I mentioned this elsewhere. I have to take out a swear word. From Paul Williams. Comments about smoking mums, utter rubbish. Wife told by doctors, smoke a couple a day to keep blood pressure down. Some big and fine, shame on you. Who's it Dr Fox telling you to do that? I don't believe that for one second. Right, let's get the latest travel now. News for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's Adam Glynn. Adam. Thank you very much, Ian. At the minute, things looking pretty good on the roads. Quite quiet, all moving fine on the M25 and no delays yet on the M1. However, on the tubes, we have problems with the Metropolitan Line already this morning. It is suspended between Chesham and Chalfont and Latimer. This is because of a signalling problem at Chalfont and Latimer. There are also minor delays between Amersham and Watford and Amersham and Harrow. Good service, though, on the rest of the line, so if you're coming in on the Uxbridge branch, you should be OK. Anything else on the trains is looking pretty good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. It's 6.16, it's Monday the 13th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police are offering a £1,000 reward for information leading to the arrest or conviction of anyone involved in gun crime in Luton. A block of flats in Luton has been set aside for the homeless. 57 families are currently living in Marsh Farms Pearly Centre. And in sport, the Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson has revealed he dropped Wayne Rooney for his final, final home match in charge because the striker had handed in a transfer request. The weather today embeds bucks and hearts after a rather cloudy morning. A mix of bright spells and light showers will develop, especially towards the end of the afternoon. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking about a dramatic solution to the homeless situation in Luton. BBC Three Counties Radio. Weeknights 
from Seven, Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill set. City Street is great. Fruit, veg, fruit. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother, but you're my mum. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio.
morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Now, the homeless situation in Luton is so acute that an entire block of flats in the town has now been set aside to accommodate those with nowhere to live. The Pearly Centre in Marsh Farm, which is due to be demolished, is now home to 57 families with nowhere else to go. Luton is also England's biggest user of private landlords providing temporary homeless accommodation outside London. Well, Tony Fisher looks at how the lack of affordable housing in the town is now costing the taxpayer millions. One of those being put up in the run-down Pearly Centre flats is Jeanette. She was sent there after spending six weeks living in a hotel. I don't have a bedroom, so I have to sleep on my sofa. I don't have another room for um, a a bed. She became homeless after she couldn't keep up with the rent. I think I probably am the eldest one here. It hasn't got a very good name for itself, but like I say, I stay behind closed doors at night time, so um, I try not to let that affect me, but um, it's pretty noisy. Luton currently has 780 homeless households living in temporary accommodation, the highest proportion in England outside London, and almost ten times higher than the east of England average. At one point last year, there were 40 homeless families living at the Days Inn Hotel in Regent Street. The cost for one month alone came to almost £50,000. The council is actively trying to reduce the amount of people living in this sort of accommodation. Now just four rooms at the Days Inn Hotel are occupied by the homeless. This is being achieved by using private landlords. The lettings agency Bedfordshire Accommodations Bureau is one of three which has signed a deal with the council worth up to £28 million over the next four years. Tom Shaw is the Labour councillor in charge of housing. Got an absolute hatred in Luton, a B&B. It's not a place for families to go. It's not nice for children to be in there. Uh, the schools they go to could be, you know, across the other side of town. So what we decided about 18 months ago is to look for private sector leased accommodation and our own properties, what are due for demolition and everything else, so we could put people into those properties instead of bed and breakfast. But what really worries councillors is the prospect of London councils transferring their homeless to Luton. At the moment, Enfield Borough says it's placed six families in temporary accommodation in Luton. But, as Tom Shaw explains, this figure could increase with all the cuts being made by the government. We've actually sat down with some of the London boroughs in the last couple of weeks and talked to them. You've got the uh, bedroom tax, you've got the cap on benefits... Now, one of the things that will happen with the cap on benefits is they've got to move out and out and out. And one of the options is 26 minutes on, you know, on the railway line, you're actually in central London, you're at King's Cross, and it's so easy for them to come here. Luton's first council house scheme in two decades is now being built on the site of the former Abbotswood Centre on Abbotswood Road. This year, 209 new homes will go up across the borough. The council estimates 2,500 are needed to meet demand. The housing squeeze here is not going away any time soon. Not good news for the likes of Jeanette. I'm frightened that, you know, I'm going to be stuck somewhere that I can't get out of. This is 
This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a story that was in uh, a lot of the papers at the weekend. It's in some of them this morning. Where's the Express? The Express is normally a day behind everybody else in terms of uh, in terms of um, printing their stories. Basically, saying that um, midwives are going to be asked to do breath tests on mums, pregnant mums, to see if they've been smoking. Now, part of me thinks, well, I think it feels a little bit fascist asking, uh, you know, do, actually doing checks on um, pregnant mums. To, to check if they've been smoking. But it, it made me think, what, why would a pregnant mum smoke? Y- you know that's bad for the baby. Yeah, that's obvious, isn't it? That's an obvious thing, that smoking is bad for you, and therefore it's bad for the baby as well. And in extreme cases, it can cause stillbirth. It can make the baby smaller than it's meant to be, which causes all kinds of problems with breathing and with the heart. Th- th- there's a very good chance your baby might be fine. Of course there is. Of course there is. But why would you take the risk? Can't you stop smoking for nine months? I know it, listen, I know it's hard. Trust me, I used to be a smoker. Of course it's hard. But you can do it for nine months, can't you? If there's a risk that you could damage or even kill your baby. 08459 455 555. I'm not saying anything too controversial here this morning, am I? This, this is, sometimes I say things and I'm aware that, that they are perhaps a little bit inflammatory and that some people might get a little bit upset by it. I know that I'm playing that game. But this morning, there's nothing outrageous about the statement that if you smoke while you're pregnant, then you are a bad mum. There's nothing outrageous about that, is there? That's an obvious... That's an obvious fact. 08459 455 555. If you smoke while you're pregnant, then shame on you. Shame on you. You can also send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Right, it's 628. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Metropolitan Line on the tubes. Normal service is now resumed, thankfully, between Amersham and Rickmansworth and between Cheshire and Rickmansworth after the problems earlier with signal failure. It's all moving better now along the tubes. On the rails, no delays at all. I'm looking at the departure boards across the three counties and things running nicely. If you're on the roads at the minute, no major problems to report, but we have got roadworks still in Wellington along the A603, the Bedford Road. It's water main work. Temporary traffic lights are up near the junction with Willington Road and it is likely to get busy again through this morning. Same story for Amersham. The London Road West. There are some temporary lights near the junction with Station Road, the 8416. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. It's coming up to 6.30. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Bedfordshire police are offering a £1,000 reward for information leading to the arrest or conviction of anyone involved in gun crime in Luton. A block of flats in Luton has been set aside for the homeless. 57 families are currently living in Marsh Farms Pearly Centre. And David Cameron's arrived in Washington for talks with President Obama about a free trade deal between the EU and the United States. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are through to the Championship playoff final at Wembley after an incredible match at Vicarage Road yesterday. The Hornets won 3-1, which made it 3-2 on aggregate. Troy Deeney scored the winning goal deep into stoppage time after goalkeeper Manuel Almunia had just saved a penalty. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola was almost lost for words. I don't have the words, to be honest. Well, we've gone. I think everybody's gone through a lot of emotions today and... Uh, and um, 
I think uh, in the end of the day, what has made the difference was, apart from Amuni, obviously, <laughs> it was uh, outstanding. It was uh, the desire not to give up. The Championship Finals on Bank Holiday Monday, two weeks today. Watford will find out who they play tonight as Brighton and Crystal Palace play their second-leg semi-final. Sir Alex Ferguson's confirmed that Wayne Rooney was left out of the Manchester United squad for his final home game in charge because he'd handed in a transfer request. Rooney watched from the stands at Old Trafford as United were 2-1 winners at home to Swansea. In rugby, Saracens lost their Premiership playoff semi-final by 27 points to 13 against Northampton Saints at Allianz Park. Saris were trailing 17-0 at half-time and couldn't recover after that. Director of Rugby Mark McCall was disappointed with the defeat. Yeah, we were um, way, way below our best today, which is disappointing on, on, on such a big match. Um, we were poor in the first half in particular and made uh, a lot of mistakes, much, many more mistakes than we're used to making. Bedford Blues now know who they'll play in the Championship playoff final. Newcastle Falcons beat Leeds yesterday to progress through. The first leg will be played at Goldington Road on Thursday the 23rd of May. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 08459 455 555. Coming up between now and seven. Do you remember a few months ago we told you that £27,000 was being spent on a portable stage for Hatfield? Wow. The money had come from the Portus Pilot Prize winnings. Well, the stage was used for the first time this weekend for an acoustic folk concert. We'll find out in the next 15 minutes what happened. If you went there, uh, <clears throat> I know not many people did. If you were there, could you give me a call? Thumbs up or thumbs down? 08459 455 555. And it's a subject that very few of us talk about. But yet we all should. Preparing for your own death. Have you got a will? I haven't got a will. Not having a will and having two young kids is very, very naughty. Very, very naughty. And I keep saying, oh, we'll do it. Oh, we'll sort it out. And we haven't got round to it. Maybe you've chosen the music for your funeral. See, I've done that. Daydream Believer by the Monkees. When, when I had to... I shouldn't really. When my, my dad passed a couple of months ago, and we, got, we, were, we chose a track, and I my sister suggested one. I said, no, 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 let's choose one that's really going to make people cry. And we chose uh, Hello Again by Neil Diamond, because I knew, oh, I know, I, even, even if it's not for a funeral, it makes me cry. I knew it would have a dramatic impact. Well, a report out today says the majority of people in the three counties are making it harder for their families to deal with bereavement because of a failure to talk about dying. Have you spoken to your family about what you want to happen? When you're dying, when you're dead. 08459 455 555. Seriously, you want people to cry at a funeral? Hello again by Neil Diamond. Oh, it works a treat. What a song. Wouldn't play this one though.
die one day yeah i know no good morning this is bbc three counties radio it's true it's gonna happen to me it's gonna happen to you but how prepared are you for your own death have you got a will have you chosen the music for your funeral have you told your partner if you want to be cremated or buried or maybe it's a subject that you can't bear to discuss with your family you keep putting it off Well, a report out today says the majority of people in the three counties are making it harder for their families to deal with bereavement because of a failure to talk about dying. Well, Eve Richardson is Chief Executive Officer of Dying Matters and the Chief Exec of the National Council for Palliative Care. Morning, Eve. Good morning, Ian. What did your research find out? Well, the research is very interesting because it says 70% of us actually feel are more comfortable now talking about dying. But as you say, I'm looking at the figures in three counties and um, you're a bit worse than the average here oh because dear. not, you know, you're, you're great on some things, but um, as you, you know, in your introduction, um, you're, you're, you're lower than the average on, um, on wills and, and uh, um, less, less of you talk, you know, it's only 5% that actually write things down, but you're only, only 3% in the, in the three counties. I don't know why that is um, mm. because you're actually, um, you know, you're up on everything else but if we don't talk about our end of life wishes and yes. let's face it we're all going to die it's the only certainty we don't all pay taxes um the only thing we can plan then we can leave a mess for our loved ones and i think that's what we're trying to encourage people you know to be prepared this week don't, don't leave it too late why is there a reluctance to talk about it eve well i think because we live to a grand old age mainly and so we're not you know people used to die young many years ago so you could say it's quite you know it's it's quite a good story in a way because you know we're not used to seeing death and dying but the reality is we will all die and we have an aging population so the death rate will go up but I think more importantly anything could happen to us at any time and so you know we're not all going to necessarily have long lingering deaths you know we sadly you know sudden things happen so we're just trying to encourage us all to not leave it too late 
but also as you, you know as you were saying about the fun- you know your funeral earlier on you've planned your funeral but not your will mm. um you only get what you plan for i mean look at margaret thatcher Look at her great big funeral. She oh, planned yes. every bit of that. Well, she knew exactly what she wanted. It, it uh, is, and it, it, that's what's important. You know, if you don't plan, if your loved ones don't know, then, you know, you're not going to get your wishes met. But importantly, as we get older, um, you know, where do we want to be at the end of our lives? Do we, wanna, you know, we all say we don't want to be in hospital. So if we haven't talked to our loved ones, we'll probably end up in hospital. Why? How do we bring it up in conversation? We've got the Dying Matters Coalition was set up to raise public awareness. We've got over 30,000 members. So our website is fantastic. Uh, so that's easy, just the Dying Matters website. But we've got some fantastic little um, sort of bits of literature. It's, it's, it's about just, just, you know, if you know that your loved one, you know, might be a bit anxious about their mum or their dad, just say, what do you think your mum would like? And then it helps you to think about yourself. There isn't one way of doing this. There's not a one-size-fits-all. I think it's what makes, what works for you. Children love talking about these things. A lot of older people say they want to talk about these things too, but it's my generation. It's the baby boomers. who We think we're going to live forever, you know. Mm. And what we've got to do is, yeah, we will live for, you know, good old age, most of us, but think about what we want. Don't leave a mess for our kids. Don't, and, you know, if you haven't got a will... Well, you know, people have multiple lives now, don't they? It's interesting. My my mum is in a care home, and I've had I've had to have because I had to fill in lots of forms. The the whole, I know exactly what she wants when she dies. I know whether she wants to be resuscitated or not. Fantastic. I know if she wants to be um, cremated or buried. I know all of this stuff because I had to, and it was. It was really, it was very helpful sitting yeah. down and filling in this form. My dad passed a couple of months ago, and even when he was dying, I couldn't talk to him about dying because it just felt, oh, it just felt so real and uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a tough one, yeah. isn't it? It's is a, is a real tough one, but I think the, the, the lesson for us all is, you know, for the, you know, for the people you leave behind, you want to leave positive memories. You want to, you don't want to be saying, oh, I wish I'd done that, or I wish I hadn't done that, you know. And if you haven't made up with someone, you know, I mean, mm. so there's all those difficult, you know, sort of, you know, very thought, you know, thought-provoking sort of issues. But I think my message is, do it. You can always change it. You know, I mean, that's, that's what we're about. We're here to, ha- you know, we, we have, uh, you know, my, my organisation is a national charity. We can help people if they need good palliative care. But not everyone needs palliative care, but everyone will die. And therefore, we need to make sure that we plan for our future. What, we problems, want- what problems can there be if you don't have a will? And I'm, I'm aware that be, uh, being a dad to two little boys and not having a will is very, very naughty. And I will sort that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends, you know, how complex your life has been. It depends whether, you know, whether, you know not, not, people are divorced, you know, if... if if you know if if you've um, got a wife and your two boys then fine but not everyone has that you know so it may be fine because you don't have complicated arrangements but if you do have complicated arrangements you know could go to the first wife could go to you know your kids could end up with nothing and for some people you know if you're intestate it goes to the state so you know there's all sorts of reasons why we should do wills so that we don't do not leave that mess for our for our families it's you know it's bad enough you know coming to terms with being bereaved and getting the support we need there but if then you can't can't sort out your legal affairs you can't pay for this you can't pay for that just because you haven't told people what you want then that that's a real worry and and a lot of us don't do it eve what's your funeral song i keep changing my mind oh that confuses things I know. I've, I've got a lovely list, and it's there. What's the one at the moment? If you were, um, if you were to I get like hit Dolly, by a bus today, what would it be? What, my funeral song? Yeah. Well, um, probably Dolly Pardon. Which one? Uh, Island. I, I, the, the Island. Uh, Island. Island's in the stream? Yes. At your funeral? Yes. <laughs> I want, yes. Because <laughs> it's got lovely memories. Oh, dear. Okay. Lo- lovely memories. You want your funeral to be upbeat, do you? I 
of everything. Yeah. You know, I want to make people cry. I want to yeah. make people laugh. I want to be remembered. I want tears. I, I want them all. I want them all sobbing. Oh, at, yeah. at my funeral. I don't want any laughter. I want it all to be I want, tears. I want a bit of everything. Right. But I want. I want to be remembered, and I want it to be a memory of a good life. And I think you know, planning your planning your funeral helps you reflect on a good life. And also, I think if you do put your affairs in order, you can get on with living your life. You know, a lot of people with dementia, it's so important. You know that they people know what they want. So we say, don't leave it too late. You don't have to be ill or dying to make your plans. Often it's best to do it when you're not. Ian, you know? thank you very much. I'm going to do a will this week. I've said that before, actually. I'm going to commit to doing a will this week. Don't pull that face, producer Laura. How prepared are you for your death? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. You're not that, that bothered by it, really. You, you know exactly. Have you spoken to the person that you love and said, right, this is what I want, this is how I'm going to do it, and this is, this is exactly what I need? Oh, wait, 459 Four double five, five double five. I want everyone sobbing. Oh, I want everyone in tears at my funeral. I don't want those ones where everyone's laughing and joshing and they're like, oh, I know. I want to record a message. That's what I want to do. You are in my funeral. That'll be good. A little bit of echo on it. Hang, well, hang on a minute. This is, this is how my funeral, this is what my funeral is going to sound like. Welcome to my funeral. I am dead now. That's, it's going to be a little bit more than that. I'll write something. I'll, I'll get someone to write something for me. I'll get, I'll get a clever writer to write something. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Just got time to say, if you've missed any of the programmes here on BBC Three Counties Radio, why would you miss them? How could you miss them? Uh, you can visit our website where you can find everything from the last seven days just waiting for you to listen to. www bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Listen again to anything you might have missed. Right, 6.44, let's get the latest travel now. Here's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. Birchall Lane in Welling Garden City. The B195 is closed at the minute. An accident between the A414 and Cole Green Lane. So far, traffic is moving fine past there, but, of course, it will get slower as the morning progresses I would have thought anti-clockwise M25 starting to slow past junction 21 at the M1 I can see that one on the cameras right now definitely looking busy. The A405 in Bricketwood, heavy traffic coming down toward the M25 at Junction 21A. And the A40 in High Wycombe, you've got a lane closed for bridge survey work at Lily's Walk. It's on the Abbey Way flyover and it's likely to slow things up as the morning goes on. Trains and tubes are running without problems for the time being. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 6.45, Monday the 13th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police are offering a £1,000 reward for information leading to the arrest or conviction of anyone involved in gun crime in Luton. A block of flats in Luton has been set aside for the town's homeless. 57 families are currently living in Marsh Farms Purley Centre. And in sport, Watford are through to the Championship playoff final after what was apparently a thrilling finish to their semi-final second leg at Vicarage Road. Coming up, we'll be talking about that stage in Hatfield. It was used for the first time this weekend, an acoustic folk festival. Well, did you see it? I'm guessing probably not. 08459 455555. But now it's 6.46. Let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. Well, it's a rather disappointing week of unsettled weather, I'm afraid. A rather cloudy picture this morning. One or two holes in the cloud, though, so we will see a glimmer or two of sunshine. Uh, but unfortunately, it's feeling rather cooler than it should do for mid-May. The maximum we can look forward to is 13, maybe 14 Celsius. That's 57 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, blowing through on quite a fresh westerly breeze. We'll get some showers this afternoon as well. Some of them hopefully should be, remain fairly light, but one or two could be a bit pokey. Overnight, uh, these will eventually blow through, leaving some clear spells. Minimum temperature down to around 4 or 5 Celsius, so a much chillier night than the one we've just had. Now, for tomorrow morning, we'll notice the cloud increasing as we head through, and with it, some rather heavy and persistent rain. Also quite a strong wind tomorrow, I have to say, is looking fairly miserable and colder. Maximum temperature just 12 Celsius. That's 54 degrees in Fahrenheit, and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been a
guys, did you go to the acoustic music concert in Hatfield on Saturday? What? You didn't? You didn't know it was on? Oh, no. Well, the town's £27,000 portable stage made its first appearance at the weekend for Folkstock. The stage, which has been heavily criticised by local people, was bought using the Porter's Prize winnings aimed to regenerate the local area. Well, in and Hatfield Borough Council invested in the stage to use for events which they say would attract new people to the area. Well, this is what some of the people told us back in March. I think that they need to sort out the rat problems, they need to sort out the repairs before they put up stupid things like a stage that's not needed. It'll attract more students. That's about all it's going to attract. You know, it's not going to attract the normal person because people like me, we're just not interested in that. We'd rather have a nice shop, somewhere to shop, uh, somewhere nice to go that where you haven't got rats running around your feet. They've got more important things to spend money on. They need to spend it on housing repairs, tidying up Hatfield, not putting things in that's probably going to get wrecked within 10 minutes anyway. I think it'd cause more trouble than anything because you're going to have people drinking and things like that and it's just going to cause fights and arguments that aren't necessary. A good one. Because they need events to happen in the town centre and nothing happens right now with the exception of the market. So they need something to happen so we can draw people into the centre, town centre and create business for the shops that are there. And we need something to draw because there's nothing at the moment. Bad idea. I don't think it will attract the average person. I mean, the, the town itself is so scruffy, isn't it? It really needs some work done on it, make it more interesting for people to shop here. It's rubbish. For what? What are, we, what are they coming to see? What, what attract, attract people to what? There's nothing here to attract. Well, attracting people to an acoustic folk festival called Folkstock, that's what. Our reporter Sophie Solaria went along to the event on Saturday. Attendance was poor and the audience was mainly made up of people who were friends and family of those involved. This is what some of them told her. It's very good, but it's just a shame that there's not more people here to, and the sun's not out. A friend of ours is in there, so um, that's why we came down to see him play. Well, we, we know about it because I work with somebody who's been, uh, you know, performing today, so... Uh... any advertisements, though. There was one banner when we were coming over here, walking down here, but apart from that, I haven't really seen much about it. I don't know if you know much about Hatfield, but um, they've had a £100,000 prize winners from the Mary Porters Project to regenerate the town. £27,000 of that went to that portable stage. Would you say that that was a good use of the money? It depends how often it gets used in the future. It, it, it could be very good, uh, depending on um, what other events get put on and what it gets used for. It, potentially, it, you know, it could have a lot of... Uh, a lot of use. I think the the potential is there. Um, it could be a, a, a really sort of valuable asset to the town as long as it's it's well publicised. What's your opinion of the stage? It's a nice stage, yeah. Yeah, it's portable, isn't it? Yeah. How, yeah. how do you feel about the money invested for, for out of a hundred thousand, twenty-seven thousand pounds? I've got no problem with it at all, quite honestly. You think that was a good investment? Yeah. Well. It depends on how often they use it, obviously. And what would you see the success of the town being with this stage in mind? Oh. Well, would we don't, if they ever get the redo- development of the uh, town up and running, if they were to do something like this on a monthly basis at least, I mean, I wouldn't be too interested in the idea, which they may have actually had in the back of their heads, it's going to draw people in from other places. Um... But it does give you a reason for going out. I mean, I would not normally use Hatfield Town Centre, despite living in Hatfield, but there's something like this in, obviously, draw me in. 
Well, that was Sophie Solaria talking to some of the people who were at the uh, Folkstock show on Saturday. And, of course, the, the £27,000 bought the stage. I think it cost something like £600 per erection. So um, the money continues to be spent. You can have a look at the video from the concert on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Joining me now is local shopkeeper Raj Kamdar. Good morning, Raj. Hi, good morning. You own Master Pound Plus, which is a discount store in Hatfield Town Centre. I believe you were situated right next to the concert. Yes, I was just behind the concert, yes. What did you think of the concert? Uh, well, I mean, it was good. And I mean, uh, uh, there were more people than normal on that Saturday. And I myself was a little bit more busy than the normal Saturdays. Generally, Saturdays are busy, but uh, it was more busy because of the concert there. How many people would you say, extra people, were in Hatfield on Saturday because of Folkstock? Well, from uh, generally, there'd be about 20-25% more people. And did those, which which is excellent if that's the case, and did those people spend 25% more money in your shop? Um... Not exactly. Maybe, say, about 10% to 15%. Hey, that's not bad, though, Raj, is it? Well, I mean, so you, you made, what, a few hundred quid more than you would do normally? Yes, that's right, yes. Well, then, that must be, you must be considering that a great success. Uh, uh, of course, yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, if there's something uh, every now and then going on something, then more people come there. One of the criticisms we heard uh, from the people that Sophie was talking to was that it wasn't particularly well advertised. Um... You can say that, yes. It's only advertised in a uh, uh, few notice boards and things like that, but I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't come to know exactly there was something going on Saturday. And the stage, Raj, I don't know if you know, it costs £27,000 to buy, and every time they set it up, it costs si- another 600 quid. Is that money well spent, do you think? Uh, yes, uh, but I think it is a bit too much for that uh, but still, I mean, it's okay. I think, I, I mean, it should be also, same like me, all the other shops, may, maybe they have done a bit more on that day. Have you spoken to any of the other shopkeepers nearby? No, I haven't, no. And what did you think of the actual music, Raj? Are you a fan of acoustic folk music? Yes, I am, yes. And we're, we're, Let's be honest, Raj, were, were there some talented people on stage, or did it sound like a cat being strangled? Um... Uh, I mean, it was okay, yeah, I mean... Um... Very diplomatically answered, Raj, I appreciate that. And finally, how is um, the uh, the pound store uh, market at the moment? Doing doing good business? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's medium. I mean, it's not very good. Uh, it's not like it used to be before. And do you think you can sustain your business in Hatfield? Because we're hearing stories yeah. about how Hatfield, uh, the, the shopping area, isn't doing particularly well. Do you think you can, you'll can? you see yourself there in two or three years' time? Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there, yes, definitely. But it's not as it used to be. I, I have been there for the last uh, seven years almost now. Mm. But I have moved from one shop to another one now. And, uh, I mean, I'm not there for a long time. It depends on the council. OK, Raj, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. That's Raj Kamda, who owns the uh, Master Pound Plus. Well, <clears throat> he says... 25% more people than normal. Takings are up 10%. So that's that's got to be good, isn't it? That's That surely would say that the, the success. But at the cost of £27,000 and £600 per time they put it up. What do you think? I would love to talk to you if you were there. 
I know it was a tiny audience, but if you were there, 08459 455 555. What do you think? 27 grand well spent. Right, let's get the latest travel now. Here's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And then you come in then. Thank you. We're just still trying to work out the spacings, Adam. So it's new to us as well. I'm just getting a grip on it. That's you, You come in then. I know, it's just that there's, there's a stab in the music and I'm thinking, do I go on the stab or do I go after the stab? I'll tell you what you do, at quarter past, I'll cough when it's your turn, OK? That way <laughs> no, it'll you. be subtle, no one will notice. Away you go. Brilliant. Welling Garden City, B195 Birchall Lane. It's closed at the minute because of an accident between the A414 and Cole Green Lane. Traffic around there moving fine at the minute. M1 southbound has started to slow Milton Keynes to Bedford, Junction 14 to 13, but also busy Flittick to Dunstable, Junction 12 to 11. M25 anti-clockwise slow from the M1 to Watford, and again from Maple Cross to the M40. If you're travelling by rail across the three counties, we're looking all right. So far this morning, there have been no major problems on the rails, and the tubes, after the signalling problems of earlier, are looking fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. If you smoke when you're pregnant, you're a bad mum. Shame on you, shame on you. You don't deserve to have a baby. We'll talk about that more after the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's seven o'clock. The headlines. Luton police step up fight against firearms. Family appeal after Stevenage shooting and Hornets prepare for the playoffs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up their fight against firearms in Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A 16-year-old boy is in a critical condition after being shot in the back in Marsh Farm on Saturday. It's the ninth shooting in Luton this year and Bedfordshire police are offering a £1,000 reward as well as increasing the use of stop and search powers in a bid to stop the bloodshed. Assistant Chief Constable and Andrew Richer wants to reassure the public. We're executing warrants every week. We've executed a number already. We've made a number of arrests over the past uh, few weeks. We've recovered ammunition and firearms. We are engaging criminality extremely hard. It is quite an intractable problem, but uh, we have an extremely good track record of targeting offenders effectively in this way, and I'm confident that we'll bring people to justice. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man who died after a shooting near Stevenage last month. On April the 23rd, Thomas Ward died at the Lister Hospital from injuries sustained at a traveller's site in Dyes Lane. Five days earlier, his wife gave birth to their first child at the same hospital. The Ward family are now urging anyone who saw a white car in the area at the time of Thomas's death to please come forward. An entire block of flats has been set aside for Luton's homeless. The Pearly Centre in Marsh Farm has been earmarked for demolition but is currently home to 57 families with nowhere else to go. The Borough Councillor for Housing, Tom Shaw, explained the new approach. So what we decided about 18 months ago is to look for private sector leased accommodation and our own properties, what are due for demolition and everything else, so we could put people into those properties instead of bed and breakfast. Two severely disabled men will take their cases to the Court of Appeal today in an attempt to change the law governing the right to die. One of them, Paul Lamb, is paralysed from the neck down. He's incapable of committing suicide and wants a doctor to help him. His solicitor is Saimal Shahal. Paul is asking the court to grant a declaration that a doctor helping him to die would not be liable to a charge of murder or of assisting in a suicide. 
David Cameron will meet President Obama today for talks about a free trade deal with the EU. Meanwhile, Cabinet Ministers Michael Gove and Philip Hammond have become the most senior figures to declare they would vote to leave the EU if a referendum was held now. In sport, tickets go on sale to season ticket holders at Wednesday for Watford's Championship playoff final at Wembley. Prices start from £36 for adults. The Hornets reach the final after their dramatic 3-1 win over Leicester yesterday. They have two weeks now before the big day and midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar is looking forward to the break. That's the joy of the, of the playoffs and uh, now we got to we'll have a few, few days off, have fun and enjoy the moment and then uh, we get back on the next week and get, get ready for Wembley. The weather, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius, that's 57 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Got to say, Kath, it's very, very nice of you to uh, join us for work today. Well, I am contractually obliged. Were you contractually but obliged? But I come anyway, obviously. Were you contractually obliged last week to be in? I think I'm more obliged to look after a sick daughter. Oh, for goodness. I think just a bit more. For goodness sakes. You, you mums, you think you know everything, don't you? Unbelievable. Is everyone all right now? Yeah, everything's wiped and done. Oh, thank goodness for that. Right, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Monday morning. Lots coming up in the show, including... Oh, there's been another shooting in Luton over the weekend. We seem to be talking... Well, we are talking about this literally every week, sometimes twice a week. This time it's a 16-year-old boy. Well, police are offering a £1,000 reward for information. Do you think the police are doing enough? Well, they've taken on some of my ideas. They've doubled their patrols and they're doing stop and searches. Justin Dealey's been in Luton this morning finding out what you think. The Hatfield stage was used for the first time at the weekend for an acoustic folk concert. The stage cost £27,000. Did you know about the event this weekend? No, you probably didn't. Local people say it wasn't very well publicised. What's the point of having the stage and having these events if no one knows about them? I'll be speaking to Welland Hatfield Borough Council to find out why it was so poorly advertised. And pregnant women could be asked to take a breath test to prove they are not secretly smoking. I think if you smoke when you're pregnant, shame on you. Shame on you. You are a bad mother. There is no defence for it whatsoever. Or am I wrong? Can you defend it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. The best way to get in touch, though, of course, is to give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, another weekend, and guess what? Another shooting in Luton. The latest incident happened in the early hours of Saturday morning when residents reported hearing gunfire in Thricknell's Close in Marsh Farm. A 16-year-old boy, a kid, just a kid, was found with a gunshot wound to his back. He's now in a serious but stable condition in hospital. Well, police are now offering a £1,000, that's right, £1,000 reward to anyone who gives the police information that leads to the arrest and conviction of any offender who's involved in gun crime in the town. Just think about that for a second. You're going to turn someone in? You're going to turn on your neighbour or your son's friend for a grand? I don't think so. 
Well, Justin Dealey has been following this story over the weekend. Justin, you've been speaking to Bedfordshire Police. What have they been saying? Uh, yes, I have indeed over the weekend. Um, it's the ninth shooting, but of course um, it's the 16th gun-related incident in Luton so far this year. I've been to meet Andrew Richer. He's the Assistant Chief Constable of Beds Police. Now, he says, Ian, that the Luton, in his opinion, is still a safe town. He says this is uh, small numbers of offenders in a defined area. Well, I asked Andrew whether gun crime in Luton is now totally out of hand, and this is how he responded. We don't think it's getting totally out of hand, but what we are doing is we're escalating our response uh, in uh, proportion to the threat, which clearly we are concerned is increasing. So we're more than doubling our resources on the ground at the current time, uh, and we will be um, putting a lot of people on the ground to deter anyone from carrying weapons in this area of town, and anyone doing so can expect to be stopped by armed patrols, uh, searched, arrested and prosecuted. Uh, At the same time, we do need members of the public to come forward and help us uh, and provide information. We need mothers, brothers, sisters uh, to give us information about the small group of offenders who are perpetrating these offences in their own interests and the interests of members of the public. We cannot tolerate this level of uh, criminality and uh, we will engage this criminality extremely hard. Why haven't you done this before, bearing in mind it's the, the 16th incident this year alone? Yeah, we have been uh, using the same uh, tactic, but uh, as I say, we're escalating our response in proportion uh, to the escalating threat. We recognise concern about the numbers of incidents we've had, and we share that concern, so we think we need to escalate our response. Just be honest, would you want to live in Luton? I I have lived in Luton for... Right now, would you want to live there right now? I I I would be content to live in parts of Luton at the moment, yeah. The people that I speak to, they are scared. A lot of people are thinking about leaving the town. And people say to me that you as the force, the police, you're not doing your job properly. How would you respond to that? All I can say is we are doing an awful lot to confront this problem. We've got lots of investigative resources looking at each of the incidents. Uh, We're employing covert tactics, so you can't necessarily see everything we're doing. And now we are substantially increasing the level of resources we're Uh, putting on the ground, although they were were considerable to begin with, but we're putting even more now uh, to actually tackle this problem. And we will do what it takes uh, to get on top of this problem uh, and uh, reduce these instances of firearms being illegally discharged. Have you lost control of the situation now? No, uh, I don't uh, agree with that at all. We are Uh, working extremely hard to map and understand this criminality and to work out how we can target these offenders. Uh, We're executing uh, warrants every week. Uh, We've executed a number already. Uh, We've made a number of arrests over the past uh, few weeks. We've recovered ammunition and firearms. We are engaging criminality extremely hard. It is quite an intractable problem, but Uh, We have an extremely good track record of targeting offenders effectively in this way, and I'm confident that we'll bring people to justice. So despite everything that's happened this year, with 16 incidents, uh, gun-related incidents, with nine shootings, you're saying right now, on the record, you feel that you're doing the very best that you can to fight this? Yes, uh, and uh, I have no doubt that in due course we will successfully target the offenders, the small number of offenders who are responsible for this, uh, and that we will see a decrease in the number of discharges of firearms. And you're confident of that? I am confident. Because every single weekend, every single week right now, it seems like there's another shooting. To be quite honest with you, we as a radio station, the people of Luton, we're getting bored of this right now. Yeah, and I... I I understand we're certainly not bored with it. We recognise that there's a a pattern here uh, and that 
people are right to be concerned. We are very concerned as a police force, and as I've explained, we're escalating our response in proportion to the threat. Well, a couple of great answers there. Would you live in Luton? I used to. Yeah, but would you live, live there now? Well, yeah, there's some places I'd yeah. live in. <laughs> this £1,000 reward, Justin, mm. it's nothing, is it? You're not going to turn in your son's friend or your next-door neighbour or the bloke that lives over the road for a grand, are you? It's not, it, it, it's not worth the risk, surely. Personally, I wouldn't. I mean, when you watch programmes like Crime Watch, when have you ever heard of a reward for £1,000? I mean, you might expect a reward of £1,000 if we're talking about a shoplifter, maybe. We're talking about criminal gangs here who are clearly using guns. £1,000. We thought this morning that that was such a small amount of money, so I've been out onto the streets of Luton this morning to get people's reaction to this reward money, and this is what they had to say. Well, sir, £1,000 reward, what's your reaction to that? Is it, is it too little? It is a bit, yeah. I mean, uh, you would like to be at least um, five grand. The reason being is it's too little. I wouldn't want to cross someone up for a grand. So what would you... I mean, you say mention £5,000 there. Would it take 5000 at least to get you to make that call? Mm, that's right, at least £5,000 to make me want to make that call, to pick up the phone and actually call up and say, yeah, this is the person involved or I saw this person doing this. Well, madam, you've heard about this reward of £1,000. Can you tell me your initial thoughts about that, please? It's a very small amount of money. Very small. When you consider that people, most people earn at least that a month. It's not even a month's salary. So, so what do you think it should be then? Well, I think maybe 10, somewhere upwards of that. The thing is though, even if it was £10,000, and even if you knew the people involved, would you really risk everything to make that call? I'd be quite worried, because obviously they're carrying guns, so I suppose if I knew them, no, I wouldn't, I'd be quite worried. Well, Patricia, you're pretty much laughing at this reward money. What do you think it's got to be to, to get people to give the police information? I think they should put it to at least 20,000 to get people going because at a thousand pounds nobody will come and, and that's my opinion yeah in saying yeah, that though you know? the, your your opinion is also expressed by expressed by friends and family fr that's correct for I lived down here now 25 years and now what crime going on it's unbelievable you know so 20,000 pounds you think would make a big difference would make a little Difference if they put that, I think people will come forward. Well, it's, it is hard, isn't it, Justin, to put a figure on exactly what it would cost for someone to go to the police. But I, I, and I don't, you know, listen, this, we keep talking about this every week, and it's it's annoying and it's boring, and I want it to stop. And I don't want to knock the police's efforts when they're justified in what they're doing. A grand is nothing, is it? I, this is going to have no impact at I mean, all, surely. You would have thought if you were the police, you would come out and you'd say, right, OK, that this now is totally out of hand and there's going to be a big reward. So we're looking for people to come forward with information. A thousand pounds, you know, you've heard there from the people that, that are just laughing. I mean, Andrew Richer, the, the Assistant Chief Constable of Beds Police, he'll be live on the programme later on talking to you. Again, we can put these points to him, but the people in Luton that I'm talking to this morning, they are saying that figure... It's just ridiculous. They're saying five, ten, even twenty thousand pounds, but certainly not one thousand pounds. And every time we do this, I always throw in the caveat: Hey, listen, I don't want to panic people. You know, it's a minority of people. I don't know if I can say that anymore because it is getting uncomfortable, isn't it? Sixteen gun-related crimes. Mm. How many shootings is it? Nine. Nine shootings. 
It is a significant amount. It hasn't seemed to level out. Well, the problem clearly isn't going away, and um, the police are very concerned about this. We've even had a shooting on the day of a peace rally in the town. Uh, that shows you that these criminals are not interested in anything to do with a peace rally. But, um, yeah, the police hopefully, with, with the message today that they're hoping for people to come forward, I did ask Bedfordshire Police, are you now looking at Luton in comparison to London? And they said, no, that is not the case. We know we've got problems, but at this moment in time, we can't compare Luton to London in terms of gun crime. Justin Daly, thank you very much. Hopefully we'll talk about something a little bit lighter on uh, later on uh, in the show. We need Ollie Martins, don't we? We need Ollie Martins to, to tell us exactly what's going on and exactly what, uh, what his plan of action is. The last time we had... Uh, well, Ollie didn't come in last time. Mr Martins didn't come in. It was uh, his uh, assistant, his second in command. And, and she told us about all of the things they were doing, including sending out press releases and tweets. Yeah, I, I suspect it's going to take a little bit more than that, isn't it, to, uh, to bring a curb to this. And I don't want to be one of those uh, presenters on the radio that, that panics you and that scares you. But it is starting to look a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Nine shootings, uh, s- significant number of gun-related incidents, a 16-year-old kid shot this time. What do you think about uh, the rewards for shootings? 08459 455 555. Right, we're going to... Uh, Adam, are you ready? I am. Right, I'm gonna, we're going to get the timing right. I'll give you a little cough. Lovely. And that means you come in, OK? You ready? Excellent. So, here comes the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Travel not news not yet. for beds, not yet. cards and bugs. Not yet. BBC Three Counties Radio. <clears throat> nice, no, virtual yet. lane. Oh, no, what? oh, nuts, it was then. Sorry, I don't know. No, it's fine, it's up. fine. We'll get it right we next close. time. Half we were pass. close. Thank you. Virtual Lane in Welling Garden City closed at the minute because of an accident. It's between the A414 and Coal Green Lane where they've put the closure in. Traffic around there is moving fine. No A414 delays yet. M1 southbound slow from Milton Keynes to Bedford, junction 14 to 13. After a little bit where it flows quite nicely, from 12 to 11, Flittick through to Dunstable, it gets busy again. Heavy on the M25 already this morning, anti-clockwise, as you come into the roadworks section at Enfield, junction 25. Slow then from the M1 to Watford, junction 21 to 19, and from Maple cross to the M40, junction 17 to 16. And if you're heading in toward London on the A1, expect queues through Boreham Wood. It's looking slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Trains, though, are looking good. No delays at the minute on the departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you. I'll, we'll get it right next time. My fault then. Apologies. Right, 7.16. It's Monday the 13th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up the fight against firearms in Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of 21-year-old Thomas Ward, who was shot at a traveller's site near Stevenage last month. And in sport, tickets go on sale to season ticket holders on Wednesday for Watford's Championship Playoff Final at Wembley. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, after a rather cloudy morning, a mix of bright spells and light showers will develop, especially towards the end of the afternoon. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking about how an entire block of flats is being set aside for the homeless. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. CJ, stay there. Speak to you after this. Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are via Twitter at BBC 3CR. Join us on Facebook facebook.com slash bbc 3cr call us on 08459 455 555 
or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, Bedfordshire Police offering a £1,000 reward to anybody who can give information that leads to an arrest, I'm assuming, uh, to people involved in gun crime. CJ in Bedford, is that a good idea? Yeah, good morning. No, of course it's not. It should be everybody's duty to, to grasp these scumbags up. If they're going to go around shooting people, why would your people have to have to have a reward or, oh, I'll only do it if the money is right? I mean, a thousand pounds, and there's one woman on there, I think she said, ought to be 20,000 pounds. They're just greedy, greedy people. And what they don't think of, maybe that could be one of their family who gets shot. You've kind of answered your, 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 your question in your statement, though. Grassing up these people who go around shooting people. Would, would you want to take the risk? You're damn right I would. Even if even these people have guns and they shoot people, if they found out that CJ and Bedford had called the police and grassed them up, you could get shot, your wife could get shot, your kids could get shot. Would you be happy to take that risk? It would be confidential, wouldn't it? The, well, police these... the police ain't going to plaster your name all over the all over the uh, the paper, like I mean. Supposing the, you, you, supposing the police anyway. asked you to be a witness in court. Sorry. Supposing the police asked you to be a witness in court. Then it could be behind screens, couldn't it? And you'd feel happy with that. Yes. Okay. See, Jane Bedford. Thank you very much indeed. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think? Should people be given any reward at all? Of course, it's your duty. Of course, it's your duty. But. I guess some people need an incentive. And is there anything wrong in an incentive if it gets people off the streets who are doing naughty things? Is there anything wrong in that, really? 08459 455 555. Now, the homeless situation in Luton is so acute that an entire block of flats in the town has now been set aside to accommodate those with nowhere to live. The Pearly Centre in Marsh Farm, which is due to be demolished, is now home to 57 families with nowhere else to go. One of the residents is Jeanette Knight. She became homeless after not keeping up with the payments on her two-bedroom private rented house in Lucy Farm, which perversely, she says, only cost £2 more a week than her current bedsit. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, went along to see her. I've been here since September. Um, it's very self-contained, you know. It's uh, I'm having to sleep on my sofa. Um, there's no room for a bed here. Um, although one was offered to me, there's nowhere for me to put a single bed. Um, so I am actually just sleeping on my sofa, so obviously my, my back is suffering for that. Um, I'm in amongst a lot of young families. Um, they're quite noisy. Um, they're only young, so it, and I feel quite vulnerable in the area itself. It doesn't have a very good reputation. Um, I feel a little bit sort of closed off. Yeah. here because I do need to I stay in my my home quite a bit I don't go out much mm. yeah. it feels like coming in here you you, you come into the pearly center it, it's it's fairly intimidating there's burnt out bins outside yes. yeah. uh, the flats you walk up the stairs I chose to walk up the stairs you know there's yes. quite a strong smell it's mm. not very nice not very pleasant yes come into your little flat it's like a little pocket of civilization because yes. that's how you've made it yes but it, it, as you say, it must be a little bit intimidating, a bit daunting living mm. in this block of flats. Um, yes, it is. Um, there's 
quite a lot of trouble that goes on in the area. Um, unfortunately, with a lot of youths, the gangs, the gang culture, um, that can be quite intimidating, you know. Um, I know I'm not old, but I feel more vulnerable walking out at night or coming out of my home um, after um, dark. So that does limit me, and I do tend to stay indoors. Um, I just have to watch and hear everything that's going on around me, um, which isn't nice sometimes. What sort of things? Um, it was just the noise, and, um, you know, you hear... Uh, noises that sound like gunshots and um, it's a lot of the stories that you hear that are going around and that you know trouble that's happening in Luton um, you just don't want to have to meet up with it so on that count it's it's quite intimidating so you just try and keep yourself to yourself that's all I can do yes I just need to move on with my life unfortunately I found myself in this situation um, as have many other families and I am on my own now my children are grown so it's just me for myself uh, consequently I am stuck in a, a bedsit it's not what I want for myself um, and I do have a, a certain criteria for, for what I need in housing so I will have to remain here until that opportunity arises mm. otherwise I'm stuck for life with a place that I'm not going to be happy in. Well, Kate Webb is a senior policy officer with the housing and homelessness charity Shelter. Morning, Kate. Morning, hi. Kate, how common are situations facing people like Jeanette? Um, it's incredibly common. I mean, homelessness has been increasing over recent years. Um, you know, we've, we've done some research at Shelter that found that actually every 15 minutes um, in England and Wales, another family is actually becoming homeless. So more and more people are finding themselves that they're living in situations like Jeanette's. And is this really the best that a local council can offer people? It doesn't sound great, does it? It's not the best, but the, the problem is, is local authorities are under huge uh, constraints at the moment to try and find temporary accommodation. You know, it all comes down to a shortage of sort of genuinely suitable, affordable homes, which is why people are being made homeless in the first place. And then it makes it very, very difficult for local authorities to find somewhere sort of decent to rehouse people. And is there any more that councils can actually do? Or is, is this their only, the only option? I think a lot of councils are doing everything they can do. As I say, you know, their, their basic problem is there just aren't the suitable, affordable homes out there. Um, it's why they're seeing more people coming to them for help with rehousing. And it does make it very, very difficult for them to find somewhere decent for people. So, in, you know, in, I'd be reluctant to criticise Luton. In Jeanette's case, she was saying that her, her um, privately rented property only cost £2 a week more than her current bedsit. Do the council have any uh, way of helping out with that, of, of keeping her in her property and helping out with her rent? there the council will have a small pot of money called um, discretionary housing payments which is basically a sort of emergency budget that they can use to help people um, but the problem is is it's very small in most cases and there's an awful lot of people at the moment who, who need help from it so unfortunately you know some people are finding that that support isn't available anymore what help can shelter offer uh, shelter's main work is to give people advice. You know, people people can be helped to stay in their homes. There are often things that can be done if it's budgeting support or negotiating with a landlord. So our, our key message is anyone who, who is struggling to sort of pay the rent or there's another situation that means they're worried about losing their home, um, we'd really urge them to seek, from shelter, uh, seek advice from shelter as early as possible. 
Kate Webb from Shelter, thank you very much indeed. And you can see more on this on Look East throughout the day. Their lunchtime bulletin is at half past one. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, yes. It's in the Express, this story about uh, mum smoking. It was in all the other papers. The Express is normally a day behind. A lot of the, It is. What's the front page? Have they got a cure for Alzheimer's? No, it's uh, weather. Um, uh, anger at breath tests to weed out smoker mothers. Pregnant women will be tested to check if they are smoking and putting their unborn child at risk. In a move which has angered midwives, the NHS will recommend they take a breath test at the woman's first antenatal appointment. One in five women still lights up in pregnancy, one in five of you, oh, you mums, shame on you. Oh, you don't know what it's like, you're a man. Oh, you don't know what it's like. I, you, come on, you can go nine months without having a cigarette, can't you? Can't you? 08459 455 555. Is there anybody listening who thinks that uh, uh, smoking while pregnancy is all right. Oh, it's all right. The risk is minimal. I mean, the, the risk of the baby being premature and coming out a little bit small and having asthma, it's worth it, because I'm smoking my silk cuts. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call on that. I, I don't think anybody out there will be brave enough or stupid enough to phone up and say, yeah, I smoke when I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant now, I'm smoking. What are you going to do about it? One of the other things we've been talking about this morning is uh, there is a survey that said people are not prepared for death. Are you prepared for your death? Have you got a will? Have you told your, your husband or your wife how you want your funeral to go? Well, Kate Russell's from Harpenden. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, Ian. Are, are you prepared for your death? Uh, digitally, I am. Uh, in the real world, I'm not. But um, yeah, no, Google released a, a Google Afterlife. It's sort of an inactive account manager a few uh, about a month ago that allows you to bequeath the content from your Google Plus and your um, Picasa account and your Gmail account to, to a loved one after oh. you die. And there's a whole raft of social media things that allow you to um, tweet, carry on tweeting after you're dead. So if you really it, want to make sure people miss you, just keep tweeting. Sorry, there's a thing <laughs> that, will, that will tweet after I'm dead? Yeah, it's called LivesOn.org, and th- this one's actually the, the creepiest of, the, of the, the roundup that I've been looking at recently, but um, it learns, it looks at your Twitter feed, and it learns what you like, and how you speak, and how you tweet, and it will carry on tweeting for you after you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's a bit creepy, but there's nice, if I die.net allows you to record a webcam message, and then um, if you die, it plays your webcam messages to the people that you um, would like to say a last I like, that. I like that. I like that one. There is. I, I've nice. got. I have. I know people sadly that have passed on, and yet they still pop up on my Facebook, and that you know they're, they're still out there digitally. Is there a way of erasing yourself completely once you're dead, or is that it? Do, are we in many ways immortal because of Facebook and Twitter and things like that? Well, this is it. I mean, this is one of the things that the industry is beginning to sort of think about and address, which is one of the reasons why Google uh, did the, the, the inactive account setting, which is specifically to let you bequeath the content from your, your social media and your fo- imagine all your photographs thousands of photographs on Picasso. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens to that after you're dead? But the thing is, when something is on the internet, it's there forever. And that's what a lot of kids don't sort of think about when they're sort of being, you know, in their crazy teens posting things online. But um, it is out there forever. And I think that the industry is beginning to sort of consolidate their ideas towards how that, that then is handled after you're dead, because uh, it is a past view that does live on digitally forever, yeah. 
definitely. Does that make you a little bit uncomfortable, Kate? I know that you you love technology, but do you not think Mm. that, that surely there should be a death button? You can't even close your Facebook account, can you? No, well, you can close your Facebook account, but it's quite complicated and you have to go through uh, a few levels of approval to in order to ask them to sort of completely take it down. But yes, you're right. I mean, even if you do completely close your Facebook account, it exists, you know, the, mm. the, the data that was there exists in some form or other and can be accessed. I don't know that I, it bothers me really, you know. I mean, I, I quite like the idea of living on after I'm dead. And, and you know, you'll have, in, in hundreds of years from now, you'll have digital archaeologists who will be, you know, g- crawling back through the annals of time online Ooh. and discovering all sorts of interesting things about people and how people used to live in our day, so... Kate, listen, thank you very much indeed. Kate is Kate Russell from Harbordon, author of Working the Cloud. Is, is, is she digitally prepared for her death, but not physically? I think maybe that's the way things are going. 08459 455 555. Are you ready for your death? 7.30, here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. <coughs> B195, Birchall Lane in Welling Garden City. I don't think anyone noticed. No, no they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they got there's it. an accident well there. So, unfortunately, the Birchall Lane is closed still between the A414 and Cole Green Lane. Traffic around there, though, moving fine. I'm just looking at the speed sensors to see if we've got any delays. Well, the A1M is starting to look busy, actually. Uh, as you go past Stevenage and down toward Welling, it's looking quite slow. M1 on the southbound side, still busy between Flittick and Red Junctions 12 and 9. M25 anti-clockwise. It stops start now from the M1 right the way around to the M40 at Junction 16. And the A1 into London looking busy between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Now on the trains, I've spotted one cancellation. I'm afraid the 744 from Prince's Risborough through to London's Marlborough has been cancelled because of a train fault. Everything else looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.31, here's the news and sport now with Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up the fight against firearms in Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of 21-year-old Thomas Ward, who was shot at a traveller site near Stevenage last month. And Luton Borough Council has set aside an entire block of flats in a bid to house the area's homeless. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are through to the Championship playoff final at Wembley after an incredible match of Vic- Vicarage Road yesterday. The Hornets won 3-1, which made it 3-2 on aggregate. Troy Deeney scored their winning goal deep into stoppage time after goalkeeper Manuel Almunia had just saved a penalty. Here's Watford manager Gianfranco Zola's assessment. It made me crazy because I don't think it was a penalty and uh, what a way to react to that and... Uh, when I saw the ball going forward, I, I, I saw the picture, uh, you know, the film of uh, Brentford. <laughs> Somehow it came to my mind straight away. And, and then Troy has, has made a difference, as it made, uh, has made it many times. The Championship Finals on Bank Holiday Monday, two weeks today. And Watford will find out who they play tonight as Brit Brighton and Crystal Palace play their second leg semi-final. Sir Alex Ferguson revealed that he dropped Wayne Rooney for his final Old Trafford game in charge of the club because the striker had put in a transfer request. United beat Swansea 2-1. Meanwhile, Tottenham moved back into the top four of the Premier League with a 2-1 win over Stoke, with Arsenal playing their game in hand tomorrow against Wigan. In rugby, Saracens lost their Premiership playoff semi-final by 27 points to 13 against Northampton Saints at 
at Allianz Park. Saris were trailing 17-0 at half-time and couldn't recover after that. Director of Rugby Mark McCall felt Northampton were the better side. They were very good today and they were they were very physical and they made far fewer errors than, than we did. And they capitalised on, on opportunities that came their way and uh, we gave ourselves a mountain to climb uh, by half-time. Finally, Formula One and Ferrari's Fernando Alonso won the Spanish Grand Prix ahead of Lotus driver Kimi Raikkonen and Alonso's Ferrari teammate Felipe Massa. The Red Bull drivers Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber finished fourth and fifth respectively. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. So, um, it will, some people may have said to you in the past, Catherine, hey, you look like the back end of a bus. That would be... What? Carry no, on. No, that's probably not the best way into this. I was no, thinking. go on. Anyway, th- people could say it to myself and Jonathan Vernon-Smith and yeah, actually okay. mean it because we're up, our pictures are on the back end of a bus. Are they? Did I handle that insensitively? Maybe a little. I'm really concerned because I thought the pictures would be quite high up and I've just seen the Jonathan Vernon-Smith bus. I'm really worried that someone's going to draw a penis on his head. <laughs> I what am. you want to worry about is where the exhaust pipe's placed. <laughs> Catherine... <laughs> This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't, don't. If you see a, a bus with Jonathan Vernon Smith on the back, don't draw anything. Please don't draw anything rude on there. No genitals, nothing on there. He, he's a man, he has feelings, he's sensitive. And I, he would be so upset to be driving behind a bus and see something rude on his head. So just, just you know, put those sharpies away, put those spray cans away. Leave his head alone. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The Hatfield stage was used for the first time at the weekend for an acoustic folk concert. Well, it cost £27,000 uh, £27, for the stage. Did you know about the event this weekend? Well, no, not many people did. Locals say it wasn't very well publicised. Well, I'll be speaking to Welland Hatfield Borough Council to find out why. And a new NHS guidance, uh, guidelines suggests expectant mothers should be asked to take breath tests to prove if they're smoking during their pregnancy. I'll tell you now, if you smoke while you're pregnant, you're an idiot. It's as simple as that. I can't sit on the fence on this. You're an idiot. It's not the woman's choice. When it comes to this, you are harming your baby. Fact. 08459 You can also go and have uh, your say on uh, the uh, BBC Three Counties Facebook page as well. Now, it's Hatfield's £27,000 portable stage. Is it worth the money? The stage, brought with the Porter's Prize winnings money, made its first appearance on Saturday afternoon for Folkstock, a free acoustic music concert held in the town centre. Well, in March, we spoke to Hatfield Town Councillor Dean Archer, who said the money should have been spent in a better way. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Because remember, this money yeah. was supposed to be to attract people into the town. Of course. OK, if, if you've got a, a portable stage, you're only going to be able to use it whenever it's, it's called for. Now, if they've planned to have an entertainment every weekend in the town, mm. then great. But why spend £27,000 plus the cost of towing it there, erecting it, when you could have had a bandstand there, really pleased that Hatfield won the money, but uh, we could have done the better things. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, went along to the event on Saturday. Many people, people told her it hadn't been well publicised and the audience was mainly made up of people who were friends and family of those involved. This is what some of them said to her. It's very good, but it's just a shame that there's not more people here to, and the sun's not out. A friend of ours is in there, so um, that's why we came down to see him play. Well, we, we know about it because I work with somebody who's been, uh, you know, performing today, so... Uh... I haven't seen any advertisements, though. There was one banner when we were coming over here, walking down here, but apart from that, I haven't really seen 
much about it. I don't know if you know much about Hatfield, but um, they've had a £100,000 prize winners from the Mary Porters Project who regenerate the town. £27,000 of that went to that portable stage. Would you say that that was a good use of the money? It depends how often it gets used in the future. It, it, it could be very good, uh, depending on um, what other events get put on and what it gets used for. It, potentially, it, you know, it could have a lot of... Uh, a lot of use. I think the the potential is there. Um, it could be a, a, a really sort of valuable asset to the town as long as it's it's well publicised. What's your opinion of the stage? It's a nice stage, yeah. Yeah, it's portable, isn't it? Yeah. How, how do you feel about the money invested for, for out of a hundred thousand, twenty-seven thousand pounds? I've got no problem with it at all, quite honestly. You think that was a good investment? Yeah. Well. It depends on how often they use it, obviously. And what would you see the success of the town being with this stage in mind? Oh. Well, we don't, if they ever get the development of the uh, town up and running, if they just do something like this on a monthly basis at least, I mean, I wouldn't be too interested in the idea, which they may have actually had in the back of their heads, it's going to draw people in from other places. Um... But it does give you a reason for going out. I mean, I would not normally use Hatfield Town Centre, despite living in Hatfield, but there's something like this in, obviously, it draw me in. Well, there's a clip of uh, a video from the event on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. We're joined now by Tony Kingsbury. Uh, he's the lead member for the Porter's Pilot Project at Wellin Hatfield Council. And also uh, Dean Archer, who is the uh, Hatfield Town Council that we heard from earlier. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Ian. Dean, good morning, morning. Now, Dean, the stage has been up. It's been used for a Freetown concert. What do you think of the folk concert? I thought it was a very good idea, actually. Uh, But the only problem was it it didn't seem to have been advertised. The turnout wasn't great. We did speak to one shopkeeper uh, earlier on who said that he'd seen an increase in about 25% in uh, customer numbers and about an increase of 10% in taking. So... That's got to be a positive, hasn't it? Dean? It has, yes. Obviously, uh, if they use it more regularly, then it will be. But uh, unfortunately, it's also cost around £500 to get it there and erect it there. So, uh, there are one positive is also a negative. Tony, uh, what did you make of the event? Oh, I went along. I thought it was a very good event. The stage was, worked really well. Went up with ease and uh, just looked great in the town ta- in the in the town centre. Not many people there, though, were uh, there? Well, there's probably around a hundred, sort of, at various times, and obviously people coming and going. So um, it was a reasonable amount. And I mean, I, I went to buy my lunch and was told it was busier than normal. It normally would be on a Saturday, and it seemed busier to me. So that's very positive. I One think. of the key criticisms, Tony, seems to be, uh, and we've heard this from people uh, who live in Hatfield. We've heard it there from Dean. It wasn't advertised. Well, it's always very difficult with communications, I think, to get it out. But to be oh, fair, it was on the front page. Put a couple page. of posters up. Uh, it was, there, were, there were a few posters up. It was on the front page of the Welling Hatfield Council website, Hatfield Town Council website, on social media. It was advertised in the local paper, and it was sent out to the steering group members. Obviously, we need to review and see if there's better ways to get it out this time. And as part of the Portis bid, there'll also be a Hatfield Town website up and running it started at the moment be up and running by the end of may so that might get some more information out as well but uh, it's it, it, it would appear that the majority of the audience were other band members or friends and family of the bands 
Um, well, hopefully we get other people in as well, but even if they come along to the town centre as well and they're not usually there, that's very good for the town centre. Um, it's, it's all about making it busier, but also more of a community spirit and a community feeling in the town centre. Dean, it sounds like it's been a bit of a success. So, do you I regret what so. you said earlier? Uh, um, no, not really. And I, I can't understand how he said it went up so easily, because it had to be brought down there at 7 o'clock in the morning, OK, and from... 8 to 11, it took people to erect it. But then it, it finished at 3 o'clock. Well, I can't see why it finished so early. Tony? Uh, well, that was the amount of time that the, the bands were on there and the, the, the uh, performers. So, I mean, it apparently went up with great ease and it was fine. And the whole idea of a portable stage is that it's versatile, can be used in different places and be, you know, very versatile in terms of size and different groups on it. Um, I mean... In, we have we have uh, the Christmas light switch on at Christmas last year that we had a choir they couldn't get on the stage because it was too small and this will uh, you know allow all sorts of things Tony, to be performed on lots there. Of, lots of um, our listeners have been commenting on the Facebook page. Joe says. I think it's a shambles and a waste of the porter's money that could have been spent on something that would have attracted people into the town. I didn't even know it was going on. There's no porter's money left. The decisions were made without consultation with residents by a few councillors who seem too far out of touch with Hatfield residents. People of Hatfield are thoroughly sick of this small group of councillors and are now looking at taking some action. They are accountable and we want answers. What, what would you say to Joe? Can I, well, can I just point out it isn't a council decision. It's it's been decided, it was decided by the forum it was, as it worked up the bid. But the council were involved with that? The council were involved in that, yes. so was the town council, so are all yes. sorts of stakeholders in the town. Um, it was part of the bid that went forward, and we, there were hundreds of people bidding for the Portis money, and this is one of the reasons we got it. Um, it was also, then the steering group decided it should be a portable stage to make it versatile. And I think I should also point out that it's only 23,000 of the porters bid. The town, Hatfield Town Council contributed 23,500. Wasn't it 26? And it costs £600 pounds every time to erect? I believe it's 350. I mean, maybe it was more this time because it had to, you know, be more careful the first time it was being used. But I've been told about £350 pounds a time. Dean, but Dean, also, Dean also, sorry to interrupt, sorry. Dean, can't you accept that possibly it was a success and the turnout may have been a bit small because it was the first one? but it will improve. Well, if it's going to be used every weekend or every other weekend, then it maybe it will turn into a success. But the problem is, uh, we, we were also promised that the town centre was going to be have a facelift. £10,000 of the money would be used for that, but all the money's gone. Well, we'll talk about the faces now. I'm, I'm keen to focus on this, this stage. Dean, if, the one shop I've spoken to this morning, the fella says his takings were up... About 10%. That's, that's one shop that we spoke to. Oh, that's uh, what this is about, isn't it, really? It's about making more people go to these shops and spend money there. It is, yes, but it needs to be advertised more. I can't see why they say it wasn't. All they had to do was contact Three Counties Radio, Verulam Radio, Jack FM, let everybody know that it was going to be used, and get more than 60 to 100 people down there. When if you take out the, the people that were performing, it was it, uh, who made up most of the crowd... Uh, what happened to everybody else? Tony, uh, we've heard this from other people as well as Dean, that uh, you need to do more events. When is the stage going to be used next? Well, um, this, we, certainly there's some events set up. There's going to be an art and a culture festival in Hatfield in July. Obviously a long way off, but there's the Christmas light switch on later in the year. There's a classic car show uh, at Birchwood on the 1st of June, and we're hoping that a school fair might use it near the town centre in June. So... Um, 
you know, th- th- there may be other things that come up. Of course, a lot of the time it will be stored away, but when it makes sense, it will come out. It's also a lot, it's a lot cheaper than hiring a marquee or a separate stage. So one one way of advertising it, Tony, is, as, as Dean said, is getting in touch with us, and we wanted to do a live broadcast from that stage, which would have been a great publicity, wouldn't it? But, but we were told it wasn't viable. Um, well, it was a breakfast show broadcast yeah. from, from uh, I think it was, it was from six till nine or something when your show was on. Yeah. And it would take, it takes a few hours to put it up and it needs to be ready. So we'd be making, A, we'd be sort of doing work sort of five, six in the morning. Yeah. And B, it is near a residence in the town centre, so it would be quite yeah. noisy. I mean, so it you really, don't, you don't town- think that the, the free, the free advertising, the people would have come down to see us looking like idiots. People would, would have advertised the show. You don't think that, that that free advertising would have been worth getting up a couple of hours earlier? Well, I just think it would be wrong to sort of disturb residents at that time in the morning and things. We but, can talk very um, quietly. <laughs> Dean, final word to you. You're, you're, you're never going to be happy, are you, about this? I'll, I'll be happy once I know that it's generating uh, I- uh, interest and income for Hackford Town Centre. Uh, while it's sitting up in a yard stored away, £27,000 just doesn't seem viable. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. That was Tony Kingsbury and Dean Archett that you heard there. 7.45. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A421 northbound in Brogborough. We've got reports that it's partially blocked by a broken down lorry where the A421 meets the M1 at Junction 13. Traffic on the other side is having to slow in order to let motorists pass. Scott called us about that one, looking very busy. Birchall Lane in Welling Garden City still closed because of an accident between the A414 and Cold Green Lane. A1M itself is quite busy this morning, very slow from Junction 9 at Letchworth through to 7 at Stevenage, and the M1 has delays from Junction 12 at Flittick to 9 at Redbourne. Could take you half an hour to get through that stretch at the minute. Anti-clockwise M25, stop start from the M1 all the way around to the M40, Junction 21 to 16, and the A1 heading into London through Boreham Wood. We've got Q Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. If you're travelling by train, no major issues. We've got that one cancellation still. The train from Prince's Risborough down to London's Marlborough should have been leaving about now and it would have been going through High Wycombe in about 5-10 minutes time. That's the only cancellation on the boards. Everything else looking good and no problems on the tubes either. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. Right, 7.47, it's Monday the 13th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up the fight against firearms in Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man shot at a traveller's site near Stevenage last month. Month, And in sport, Watford are through to the Championship playoff final after beating Leicester 3-1 yesterday. Coming up... You're a bad mum if you smoke whilst pregnant. That's not statistics or anything, that's me saying that. I genuinely think if you smoke while you're pregnant, shame on you. 08459 455555. Let's get the weather now. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's a rather unsettled week of weather, I'm afraid. We'll wake up this morning to one or two sunny spells, I have to say, which isn't too bad, but it's feeling fairly chilly. Temperatures not expected to climb too much today. We're looking at a maximum of 13, maybe 14 Celsius. And as we head through, one or two potentially quite heavy showers as well. A brisk westerly wind will break up the cloud. We'll see some sunshine through the course of the day, but once this cold front moves south behind it, some fresher air after those showers this evening. When they die out, it'll 
it'll be dry and clear overnight. Temperatures dropping right down, though, I'm afraid. We're looking at a minimum temperature of 4, 5, 6 Celsius across the three counties. So a chilly start to Tuesday, but a bright start. But don't be lulled into a full sense of security tomorrow morning. The cloud will soon thicken and some heavy, persistent rain making its way towards us with some fairly strong wind as well. Maximum temperature tomorrow cooler, if you can believe it, 12 Celsius. That's 54 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. So the Hatfield stage, 26, 23, 25, let's call it £25,000, shall we? Cost between 350 and 600 quid uh, a time to be uh, set up. Did you go? Was it any good? Well, Anne in St Albans, did you go to the, uh, the Folkstock Festival at the weekend? Hello, Ian. I didn't go, for- unfortunately, because I knew it was there. I didn't know it was there because I didn't. it wasn't advertised anywhere. Ah. Um, I live on the Hatfield side of St Albans, so I tend to shop in Hatfield, where brilliantly the parking is free. Um, and I was highly impressed, and I was drawn to the square by the sound of the band, um, as were lots of other people. And I was ple- pleasantly surprised. I didn't know it was going on. Did was uh, now be honest? It's just you and me talking here. Was the music any good, or, or, or did it make you feel suicidal? No, no, it was excellent. Really? It, and it was varied as well. You know, you, you get the word folk coming into your mind. Um, perhaps that didn't describe it very well. They had a banjo, um, archipelago. They had all sorts of different things on. Um, and I think it was brilliant. And I, I, I'm not a Hatfield rate payer, so I don't know whether they think it's value for money. But I've no doubt at all that it will, win, will bring people in, especially if they do music. But the, the problem you've, you've raised is that you were going there anyway. You didn't know that exactly. it was happening. Exactly. And uh, if it was advertised, uh, as someone previously mentioned, through you and the other local radio stations, and if you want to get people... There are to... other local radio stations? What? Well, apparently, what? I've heard of very well, yes. <laughs> They're still going, aren't they? OK. <laughs> apparently. Staggering along. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and you enjoyed it? You, would, you, would, you thought it was a success? It was there. There was something there for everybody. Um, it's in the square, square. I don't know if you've been to Hatfield. It's yes. a terribly cold and windy place to be on a windy day. Uh, but it makes the acoustics very good, and you could hear it all over the place, and that drew people to the square, and I think perhaps why they started spending a bit more money. They wanted to hang around and hear. And thank you very much indeed. Well, we're hearing... On the, it's, uh, on the Facebook, it tends to be a bit negative, and on the phones, we're hearing some positive stories, which is good. 08459 455 555. Now, expectant mums will be asked to take breath tests to prove if they're smoking during their pregnancy under new NHS guidance. An estimated 20% of women smoke while expecting, which is believed to lead to a low birth weight for their babies and can cause complications in pregnancy and labour. Well, David Atherton is chairman uh, of the organisation Freedom to Choose. David, is there anything wrong with smoking whilst pregnant? Uh, Well, uh, in the context of, of, of your question... The answer is no. Um, well, uh, you probably might not be aware, but one, one of the benefits of smoking during pregnancy is a 50, 50, 50% reduction in preeclampsia. 
it's a stress-related high blood pressure uh, disease which affects pregnant women. Yeah, so, so it, it lowers your blood pressure? It, uh, smoking, smoking during pregnancy lowers your blood pressure. What about all of the, uh, the, the things that researchers have found that smoking during pregnancy increases the risk of genetic abnorm- abnormalities, including cleft lip or palate, bowel eyes, ears, spinal cord, uh, asthma, uh, premature birth, uh, tiny babies? What about those aspects? Uh, this sounds more like propaganda than science. Oh. Let, let me, let, yeah, let me give an example. Uh, it was always thought that... Um, uh, that that uh, you were three times more likely to contract cervical uh, cancer if you smoked. There's, co- there's a clear correlation that if, that if you're a smoker, you're three, you're three times more likely to to um, get the disease. But so therefore, they thought smoking played a played a part in cervical cervical cancer. What? They now know that's completely untrue. Right, but but I, I'm sorry, I don't see. The, David, I don't see the connection between cervical cancer and us talking about smoking when when pregnant because you, you know that smoking is bad for you. That's a fact, isn't it? Uh, it is, yes. Right. Uh, the baby, when you're pregnant, I don't know if you know how it works, but when you're pregnant, the baby is actually part of you and is breathing and eating and drinking everything that the mum breathes, eats and drinks. So, if a baby is 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 getting the toxins, there are over 2,000 toxins in a cigarette, into its blood, mm-hmm. it can't be good for it, can it? Yeah, but, you know, but if you go back to the 1950s and 1960s, when the, when the majority of people did smoke... I, I, I was born in 1960 myself. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, the there argument, might be millions of other yeah. people. The argument that, that, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with me, it, it, it doesn't work because there are things that are wrong with, with some babies that are born because of their parents smoking. Oh, well, I, well you know, say, you know, a lot of this is, is, is uh, propaganda dressed up as science. What, in, what uh, way is it, in what way is, right, what, you're, I, is what, way is your, what you're saying more, more scientific than propagandist? Well, OK, we'll keep, uh, just because you have a correlation of more cleft palates, for example, is not necessarily causation. Now, I, I gave right. you the example of cervical cancer, where you, where you were three times more likely to um, uh, contract uh, uh, cervical cancer if you smoke, when it was not the case. It's purely caused by the HPV virus. There's nothing to do with smoking whatsoever. Ectopic pregnancy, miscarriages, stillbirths, premature births, placenta malformations, morning sickness, uh, bleeding, thrush, urinary tract infections. These have all been linked to smoking while pregnant. Right, well, can you explain to me how a urinary tract infection is connected with smoking? I can't can't do that, David. I can't. But, But they've all been linked to smoking. Premature well, births, stillbirths, stillbirths. You're making my point for me that this, this, that this is just pure propaganda. No. No. There's, no, there's no way that, that something like a urinary tract infection can be put down Link, to smoking. Links, I'm reading from a website here. Links between smoking and sudden infant death syndrome. Researchers have found solid proof of the link between smoking during pregnancy and an increased risk of sudden infant death syndrome. Right, OK. Well, in that case, that is pure, well, if, excuse the word, Lies. Um, there, you know, between 19, I'll give you two examples why, why, why SIDS is, is not caused by smoking. Please do. Between 1970 and 1988, there was a 500% increase in, in southern in infant death syndrome, but at the same time, smoking halved in, it, halved in this country. And did those, those, the parents of those children, did they stop smoking? Right, okay, and also ah, you don't have the con- you don't have that data. Okay, so you don't know whether that was connected or not. David, can I make a suggestion? Can I make one suggestion? Yeah, the, the freedom to choose is, is, of course, everyone has the, the freedom of choice. But what you're yeah. what you're saying is really, really dangerous. 
It's you. No, you're taking no, no, the freedom. No, 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 let me let me finish. Let me finish, David. Let me finish. Let me, David. No, let me finish because you interrupted me. What you're saying is really, really dangerous. And that you, when you're pregnant, you don't have a freedom to choose because you are responsible for a baby. You can react now. No, hang on a second. You, you cannot. You, you cannot quote. Uh, no, for example, I'll just finish off my point in some, in, in some infant death no, syndrome. No, respond to what I've said. The, what the you're saying is dangerous. The real reason for it was found out by Harvard, by Harvard scientists two years ago. Wow. It is a lack of serotonin going to the okay. brain. It's nothing to do with smoking. What you this are peddling, what, saying, you know, what you are peddling, sorry? David, what you are saying is, is dangerous propaganda. Uh, no, I think the other. I think the anti-smokers are, are peddling dangerous propaganda. What's dangerous about stopping smoking when you're pregnant? Why is that dangerous? I'm just saying what you said, David. You're saying what I'm saying okay. is dangerous propaganda. Uh, why, is it, why is it dangerous to suggest that stopping smoking during pregnancy is a good idea? Uh, not from all suggesting it, but the point is what I'm objecting to here is the scientific fraud that the anti-smoking anti uh, lobby are coming up with. Okay, but... So, but thing I'm, I'm objecting so to. So, do you retract and, your and statement make, that And, make, and making, making pregnant women feel ashamed... They should be. ...and, and stigmatised... They should be. They should be ashamed if they're smoking while they're pregnant. They should be. Well, that's, it's sure, disgusting. that's your opinion, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it is fact, David, and you're being a little bit blinkered. It, it, it's dangerous no, and it's shocking. No. And you no, accuse no, me I'm... of dangerous propaganda? Yeah, it is, yes. Absolutely. What, what you're, you're, you're making, you're, you're making, what you said that's dangerous? As you said, you were, you, we yeah. were reading from the website there. What have I said that's dangerous, David? And you David? have no scientific data to back no. it up. We're what, just, just David, quoting final Go. question, because we're, we're running out of time. What have I said that's dangerous? Uh, quoting scientific mistruths. How is that dangerous to suggest that stopping smoking... Uh, how is that dangerous? Uh, do you think, uh, do you think uh, Dr Joseph Mengele uh, was, was, a, was a fine scientist? No, Sorry, when you, wh is that, is uh, that when David? Is that the best? Is that really the best you can do? I'm holding, no, no, I'm holding when, the news when, up for you, and that's the best you can come okay. back with. No, How no, is it no, dangerous? I'll, How is it dangerous? I'll, I'll let I'll let that one slide, even though yellow card. How is it dangerous for me to suggest that stopping smoking while you're pregnant is a good idea? How, where is the danger in that? The danger is is, is when when you are misquoting science. How is that dangerous? Yeah, you, 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 cannot, you cannot change science. Final question. I'll ask you one more time, because we're running late for, for Traveller News, and uh, I, don't, I don't think this line of question is actually worth it. But what have I said that is dangerous? Because uh, it's not based on the truth, and it's not based on science. OK, David, thank you very much indeed. David Atherton, Ath uh, Atherton chairman from the organisation Freedom to Choose. I think if you smoke while you're pregnant, shame on you. Shame on you. And everyone's got fr freedom to choose. Of course they have. Not when you're pregnant, because it's not just about you then, is it? Uh, David, thank you very much indeed. Right. Rosie, you are a smoker. Oh, there we go. We'll come to that in a second. That's Justin Dealey, who was uh, speaking to uh, some smokers a bit earlier on. We'll hear that later, I promise. Right, let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still got problems in Brogborough. The A421 northbound, partially blocked by broken down lorry as you come towards the M1 at Junction 13. Traffic on the other side is having to slow to let motorists pass and it's quite busy. Birchall Lane in Welling Garden City closed off because of an accident there 
recovering that now between the A414 and Cold Green Lane. Queues on the A1 at the Black Cat roundabout, the A1M slow from Letchworth to Stevenage, and then again on the A1 into London, Borehamwood looking busy, Stirling Corner through to Mill Hill Circus. M1 delays between Flittick and Redbourne, M25 slow from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. We'll talk more about smoking and other things after the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The headlines, police step up patrols in Luton, tower block reserved for the homeless and Deanie's delight over Hornets' victory. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up patrols in West Luton after another shooting over the weekend. Saturday's incident in Marsh Farm is the ninth shooting in the town this year. The 16-year-old victim is in a serious yet stable condition in hospital. Bevature police are offering a £1,000 reward for information leading to the conviction of anyone involved in gun crime in Luton. Assistant Chief Constable Andrew Richer told our reporter just indeedy the situation is under control. I have no doubt that in due course we will successfully target the offenders, the small number of offenders who are responsible for this and that we will see a decrease in the number of discharges of firearms. And you're confident of that? I am confident. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man who died after a shooting near Stevenage last month. On April the 23rd, Thomas Ward died at the Lister Hospital from injuries sustained at a traveller's site in Dyes Lane. The Ward family are now urging anyone who saw a white car in the area at the time of Thomas's death to please come forward. A block of flats in Luton has been set aside for the town's homeless. The Purley Centre in Marsh Farm, which is due to be demolished, is now home to 57 families, as Tony Fisher reports. Luton currently has 780 homeless households living in hotels and B&Bs, the highest proportion in England outside London and almost ten times higher than the east of England average. The council's actively trying to reduce the amount of people living in this sort of accommodation by using private landlords. This year, 209 new homes will go up across the borough, but the council estimates that at least 2,500 are needed to meet demand. The former Cabinet Minister Chris Hewn and his ex-wife Vicky Price have been released from prison after serving about a quarter of their sentences for perverting the course of justice. They were jailed for eight months in March after it emerged that Price took speeding points for her then-husband a decade ago. Both will now be required to wear electronic tags. David Cameron will meet President Obama today for talks about a free trade deal with the EU amid heightened tensions within the Conservative Party about Britain's future in Europe. Two Cabinet Ministers, Michael Gove and Philip Hammond, have become the most senior to declare they'd vote to leave the EU if a referendum was held now. In sport, Watford's Troy Deeney's admitted that scoring the winning goal in yesterday's dramatic championship playoff win over Leicester was an emotional moment. The goal takes the Hornets to the Wembley final in two weeks' time. Deeney missed part of the season while serving a jail sentence for a fray. Manu was a great save, great double save. And, um, yeah, this is, what, this is what dreams are made of. You know, I don't like to go back to the internet, but, you know, eight months ago I weren't even here and... You know, it's a bit emotional, you know what I mean? The weather, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius, that's 57 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Oh, I've missed that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, had a, I've been tweeted after my conversation with the gentleman from the Freedom to Choose. Scott has tweeted saying, uh, uh, this guy is destroying you. I'm going to get my girlfriend pregnant and, <laughs> and make her smoke. Shame on the BBC. Oh, Scott. 
Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, you heard... uh... The feisty discussion there with um, uh, David Atherton, chairman from the organisation Freedom to Choose. He says that smoking when pregnant actually can be a good thing because it reduces the blood pressure and that all of the uh, the, the, the evidence that points to um, stillbirths and small babies and premature babies and cleft palates and things like that, it's uh, dangerous propaganda. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Other things between now and JVS at nine. There's been another shooting in Luton over the weekend, this time a 16-year-old boy. Well, police are offering a £1,000 reward for information. Do you think they're doing enough? I'll be speaking to Assistant Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police to find out the latest. The Hatfield stage as well was used for the first time at the weekend for an acoustic folk concert. While many people have told us it wasn't well publicised, others say there was a great atmosphere and one shopkeeper said his takings were up 10%. Well, what do you think of the event this weekend? The stage cost about 25 grand, 400 quid, ev- quid every time they want to put it up. Is that money well spent? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. And you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Uh, I- I'm really keen to get your thoughts on that conversation I just had with uh, the gentleman from uh, Freedom to Choose who says that... Uh, The evidence that smoking can be bad for your baby while you're pregnant is dangerous propaganda. Lies. It's all lies. And that actually smoking when you're pregnant can be helpful because it lowers your blood pressure. Really? I'm I'm not convinced he was... Does he really mean those things? Surely he was saying that to get a rise out of me. Oh, I've been on a BBC interviewing course. You can't get me angry anymore, dear listener. Oh, no. What do you think? If you did it, if you smoked while you were pregnant, do you see a problem with it? Really? 08459 455 555. It's one of those things I do feel quite strongly about. If you smoke while you're pregnant, then shame on you it's disgusting it's dangerous and you're a bad parent oh eight four five nine four double five five double five well look it's the story that we seem to be doing at least once a week these days sometimes twice a week another shooting in luton the latest incident happened in the early hours of saturday morning when residents reported hearing gunfire in thricknell's close in marsh farm a 16-year-old boy was found with a gunshot wound to his back. He's now in a serious but stable condition in hospital. Well, police are offering a £1,000 reward to anyone who gives the police information that leads to the arrest and conviction of any offender who is involved in gun crime in the town. Well, Justin Deedy has been following this story and spe- speaking to people about the reward being offered. What have people been saying to you, Justin? Well, Ian, this morning uh, we thought that £1,000 was very little indeed. So I've been out and about in Luton this morning. What do we know? I've been speaking to people to get their reaction about this reward money of of £1,000 and uh, this is what people have had to say. Well, sir, £1,000 reward, what's your reaction to that? Is it it too little? It is a bit, yeah. I mean, uh, you would like to be at least um, five grand. The reason being is it's too little. I wouldn't want to cross someone up for a grand. So what would you... I mean, you say mention £5,000 there. Would it take 5000 at least to get you to make that call? Mm, that's right, at least £5,000 to make me want to make that call, to pick up the phone and actually call up and say, yeah, this is the person involved or I saw this person doing this. Well, madam, you've heard about this reward of £1,000. Can you tell me your initial thoughts about that, please? It's a very small amount of money. 
very small when you consider that people, most people earn at least that a month it's not even a month's salary so. so what do you think it should be then? well I think maybe 10 somewhere upwards of that the thing is though even if it was £10,000 and even if you knew the people involved would you really risk everything to make that call? I'd be quite worried because obviously they're carrying guns so I suppose if I knew them no I wouldn't I'd be quite worried Well Patricia you're pretty much laughing at this reward money what do you think it's got to be to, to get people to give the police information? I think they should put it to at least 20,000 to get people going because at a thousand pounds nobody will come and, and that's my opinion. Yeah, in saying yeah, that though, yeah, no. the, your your opinion is also expressed by expressed by friends and family. Fr- that's correct. For I lived down here now 25 years and now what crime going on it's unbelievable. You know? So, so 20,000 pounds you think would make a big difference. Would make a little difference if they put that i think people will come forward well that was justin daly speaking to uh, residents in luton i'm joined now by the assistant chief constable of bedfordshire police andrew richer uh, andrew how is the 16 year old well really as you've said the update is in as a serious um condition but stable at the moment uh, it does appear likely that he's sustained life-changing uh, injuries um uh, and really the uh, medical practitioners aren't able to say more at the moment. Is it, is it looking like he's going to be unable to walk? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's potentially possible. Why are you now offering a, a reward for, for, I believe it's not just for this incident, but for any gun-related incident? Yeah, that, that's right. And I think it's to encourage uh, people to come forward uh, with information. We do need... Uh, people in the community to actually make a positive decision that they don't want to live in a community blighted by this type of crime. I believe right-minded people would come forward and offer offer us the information uh, on that basis uh, without a reward. But as a uh, further incentive just to uh, get publicity around the need for information and uh, to induce some people, perhaps who might be reluctant to come forward, we've decided to offer a reward. Be, be honest, Andrew. Is, do you really believe someone's going to come forward for a grand? It, it's not a lot of money when they could be potentially putting their life or their family at risk. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of considerations in offering a reward because we are looking for evidence uh, to convict people. And uh, obviously, you uh, by offering a re- reward, you make matters more complicated and potentially um, create a situation where the evidence is impeachable on the basis that people might be lying in order uh, to gain a financial benefit. Would someone have to be a witness in court? Would someone have to be a witness in court? Well, ultimately, uh, we do need uh, hard evidence that we can put in court to convict people. They're not going to do that for £1,000, are they? Sometimes that is witness-based evidence, sometimes it's uh, forensic evidence. There is... Uh, a possibility of providing intelligence that enables you to uh, gather the evidence. Police patrols have increased by how many? Well, we've more than doubled our footprint on the ground, so it really is a substantial investment of uh, further resources on the ground there, and the very clear message we've got there is if you go out onto the streets in West Luton carrying a weapon, you can expect to be confronted by armed police, stop-searched, arrested and prosecuted for the offences that are revealed. And there's going to be stop-and-searches as well? Yes, uh, last week we spoke to um, Chief Superintendent Mark Turner and I suggested both of these things uh, uh, to him and he poo-pooed them. He said that uh, they weren't going to put more people uh, on the beat and that they weren't going to do stop and searches because residents might get upset. Why the change? Well, it's a, it's a balance and we've increased our response in proportion to the threat. These things were occurring uh, previously. 
uh, I think it's harsh to characterise um, Chief Superintendent Turner as having poo-pooed that. These things were going well, on. He did. He said, he, said, he said, no, that wasn't going to happen when I suggested it to him. OK. Uh, well, these things have been going on, uh, and uh, but we have uh, more than doubled our footprint on the ground so that we can carry these tactics out uh, more... Um, uh, thoroughly and uh, with with greater numbers than before. Why is it taking so long to do this? This is the, what the sixteenth gun incident, the ninth shooting this year. Why is why was this not one of the first? Why did you not do this on the second or the third incident? Because we graduate, we 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 have been employing an awful lot of tactics in relation to this. We've deployed lots of resources to investigate. We've uh, we've employed lots of uh, resources that you can't see developing the intelligence picture. This and is it, a it's group. It's not worked, is it? This is a group of about uh, thirty offenders, and we need to uh, work out how to target these people. Hang on, you say thirty offenders? Do you know who these people are? Uh, some some of the people involved in this, uh, yes, we we go and arrest them. Do know who they are? Go and arrest them. Yeah, well, you need. Uh, we have arrested uh, eleven people over the past uh, few weeks, and we have executed a number of warrants, and we have we have recovered uh, firearms so and ammunition. So we are working extremely hard on this. But, but there are nineteen. Pe- so there are nineteen people. You know who they are, but you can't arrest them. Why? To, to Why convict people, well, we have been arresting people, but to convict people, you need evidence. Right. It's still happening every single week. Uh, so it, it would, the, appear, it would appear that the plan is, isn't working. The pattern is clearly uh, of great concern, and we are graduating our response in relation to the threat. This last uh, shooting clearly has elevated the threat. Uh, we have put a very robust uh, response into it, uh, and we will do what it uh, takes to actually deal with this problem but i do repeat if members of the community do not want to live in a society blighted by this type of crime then they do need to come forward and help us with information Andrew, how and visible... i directly i directly appeal to the associates of the young men that are engaged in this oh, they'll be listening they, to this. they need they need protecting from themselves the young men that are engaged in this so the mothers the brothers the sisters of these people need to come forward with information they can speak to us in uh, confidence okay and I, i'm sure then andrew how, how visible are the police because ray and luton has just called he says he lives in marsh farm and he doesn't see any police uh well i'd be extremely surprised if uh over the weekend he has been out on the streets and he hasn't seen well, that was because of the shooting increased visible patrols that was because of the shooting i mean that was they were there i'm guessing to investigate the shooting were they well, no, we've stepped up our patrolling Excellent. in the okay. area uh, to I... deter people from carrying uh, guns, and the presence uh, there at the moment is extremely heavy. Andrew, one final thing. Can I just play you a, a, a quick clip? This is uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, who's speaking uh, to a teenager in Luton recently. He asked him whether the police are doing enough to prevent gun crime in Luton. Just have a listen, and I'll get your thoughts after this. Now there's less police on the street. You've got more of the gangs going out, thinking they can do stuff and then get away with it. It's just not enough, so there needs to be more police on the street. Uh, more warnings in place, just things like that. You've had the chance to, to join these gangs, but, but you haven't got into them. Can you tell us why? Well, it's just because I know the consequences, I know that people are going to get hurt. I just don't like doing that kind of stuff, and at the end of the day, I don't want to mess my life up to uh, go and join a gang. It's just not worth it. Have you seen the guns yourself? I haven't seen the guns. I've seen people with knives, but I haven't seen people with guns. So had you joined one of these gangs then, would you have been given a gun? Uh, most probably, or a knife. 
and you would have been told what to do with it. Just everything like that that you need to know. Has the problem become too big in Luton? I think it might have done. There's so many people now on the streets with guns and knives. It's just so silly because if they would have taken earlier measures, then maybe less knives and stuff would have been put on the street. Andrew, how do you respond to that? Well, what, what I say is we have got a massive response in place uh, to uh, this whole series of shootings. We've got large numbers of de- detectives investigating. We've got large numbers of intel- intelligence operatives mapping the intelligence. And we've got a huge footprint on the ground now to deter people from carrying uh, uh, weapons uh, on, on the street. So, uh, in effect, uh, everything that's... Uh, being said there, you know, the police have got a very robust and substantial response in place. We do need help from the community who have got to decide they don't want to live in a community blighted by this type of crime. I lied. This is is my final, final question. JV yesterday is asking is it time all the police in Luton were armed? What do you think? Uh, No, we have sufficient armed officers to uh, deal with this and we've got a very heavy armed presence uh, on the uh, west side of Luton at the moment to to deal with this issue, but there's not a case at the moment for arming every officer. Andrew, I appreciate your time, and, and best of luck with sorting this out. That's Assistant Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police, Andrew Richard. Right, a little bit later than normal, but I'm sure he doesn't mind waiting. Here's the travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's Ian, A421 northbound Brogborough. Good news, the broken down lorry has been removed. As far as we know, it looks like everything's moving a little clearer around there. Birchall Lane in Welling Garden City has reopened after the accident was cleared between the A414 and Cold Green Lane. Southbound M1, still slow from Flittick to Redbourne, taking half an hour to get through. A1M southbound looking busy from Letchworth to Stevenage. Anti-clockwise, the M25 is stop-start from the M1 round to the M40. And the A10 in Chesant is queuing this morning, approaching the Winston Churchill Way, the A121. Watford looking a little bit slow as well. The Pinner Road in particular, the A4008, looking busy as you come to the Bushy Arches. Everything on the trains, by and large, looking fine. We haven't got any major issues on the departure boards. If you do spot anything, though, of course, our number 08459 455 555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 8.18, it's Monday, the, uh, where are we? The 13th of May, oh my goodness. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up patrols in West Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man who died after a shooting near Stevenage last month. And in sport... Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson has revealed that the club have rejected a transfer request from striker Wayne Rooney. The weather today in beds, hearts and bucks after a rather cloudy morning, a mix of bright spells and light showers will develop, especially towards the end of the afternoon. Maximum temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking about how the homeless in Luton are being put up in a rundown tower block. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's um, Jonathan, isn't it? Now, don't be rude already. Come on. Have you 
What? Have you been on a sunbed over the weekend? I've been outside, in the fresh air. Look at you, you're all bronzed. Look at you, all bronzed. It's nothing to do with the fact that you are going to a certain little awards do this evening, is it? Yeah, well, it might just be. You're going to the Radio Oscars, the Sony Awards. Yes. And this year, you're not working there, you're actually up for an award. I, yes, I am up for an award. What do you mean, working there? Well, you know, serving the the food. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, we could all do with a few quid. I'm very excited. Best, best of luck. Do Thanks we know what, what time does it kick off? Uh, it's really early. It starts at six o'clock. What? I know. what? Really? I know. And where do you know where your award is in, in the, no the event? No idea. Okay, you hope it's early so you can then yes. get drunk. Well, me? I'm not going to, because uh, I'm working tomorrow morning, I might, I might pull a Paula. <laughs> Have you heard that? I have heard that. There is an That's amazing tragic. clip going round of a, a, a local BBC radio presenter. Paula White. Very, very drunk on air. She is sloshed. It's it's an incredible listen, isn't She's it? She's clearly had a few Pinot Grigios. So you're not going to be doing that tomorrow? I Well, I don't know. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to find out. And how are you getting to the uh, awards? Are you getting a, a limousine, uh, one of those uh, helicopters? How are you getting to this? Well, I, I I asked for a limousine. I said, is there any chance of a limousine? Could we, uh, apparently, a minibus? Or something called... Somebody suggested it was something called a minivan. What's that? They're going to load me in the back like cargo? <laughs> Send me off in a minivan? What is a minivan? It's not very comfortable. <laughs> it's not very comfortable. Why are they putting me in a minivan? Is it one of those vans that's got, like, a pull-down shutter at the back and they have, like, a little bench in there? <laughs> Like a, like a Bedford fan. I think it's something like that, isn't it? <laughs> well, listen, I wish wish you the best of luck. Thanks very much. I'll probably be in bed, but send me a little text or something. Shall I? Crush Ian Dale. Uh, uh, Crush oh, him. Well, we'll see. Good luck. It'll be fine. I'm sure you do really well. Thanks very much. What's on your show this morning? Well, we're picking up on this uh, Luton shooting story, as you just mentioned, the uh, Assistant Chief Constable. And from nine on the big phone, and I'm asking, is it time all the police in Luton were armed? Um, gun crime in Luton certainly does seem to be on the increase nine shootings this year in the town 16 related gun crimes uh, the latest as you've been discussing this morning was four o'clock on saturday morning when a 16 year old was shot in the back on the marsh farm estate he's now in a serious but stable condition in hospital well i want to know from you what the right kind of response is to this i know they've been talking about more police being out there uh, more presence on the streets and some of those police being armed but is it irresponsible to send any police out onto the streets in luton at the moment unarmed should all of our police be armed would it make the people of luton feel safer seeing the police uh what do you call it packing some heat is that what you say I think that's the. I think that's a phrase. Yes. Well, from nine, I want to hear your view. Is it time all the police in Luton were armed? I've been watching a lot of these uh, television cop programs, and they seem to be bringing the uh, the right wing in me out. Well, you I, want everyone to be tasered, don't you? That's well, your thing. I, absolutely. I mean, it would be as far as I'm concerned. Any police officers walking around Luton without a taser? It's ridiculous. But I'm just wondering whether, you know, actually, on a serious point, whether we want more armed police on the streets. Would it make people feel safe seeing the police out there with machine guns or whatever it may be? 08459 455 555. Particularly if you live in Luton, what's your view? Is it time all of the police in Luton were armed? It's the big phone-in, and it's here at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, that's uh, JBS on at nine o'clock. Now, the homeless situation in Luton is so acute that an entire block of flats in the town has now been set aside to accommodate those with nowhere to live. The Pearly Centre in Marsh Farm, which is due to be demolished, is now home to 57 families. Luton is also England's biggest user of private landlords, providing temporary homeless accommodation outside London. Well, Tom Shaw is the councillor in charge of housing at Luton Borough Council. Morning, Tom. Morning, Ian. Tom, why is the homeless situation in Luton so bad? Well, we've talked about it all times on your programme. Luton's landlocked. Uh, what we have got is a lot of repossessions that have taken place over the last 18 months. What we need is uh, more council housing and more housing association properties. It's a pretty simple answer to the question, but we haven't got the land in Luton to do it. These uh, uh, homeless families that are in the Pearly Centre, they were in hotels and B&Bs before, weren't they? They were, yeah, a lot of them, yeah. It sounds very expensive, Tom. How much is it costing? What, uh, the Pearly? Well, the whole, the whole of uh, housing these people. But yeah, let's go for the Pearly, yes. The Pearly was, it's a block of flats, what was, uh, I don't know if you know the new Marsh Farm central area, which is all going to be developed over the next 18 months. And what the idea was, rather than leave the block stood empty and paying hotels for people to be in bed and breakfast, that we could move the people into there. And, so and what it's happens... actually cheaper than bed and breakfast. What happens when the, that block is demolished then? They, they go back to bed and breakfast? No, hopefully we'll have either more private sector lease properties, but over the next 12 months we're building 200 and about 220 properties in total. Our answer, our housing answer to be... Uh, at risk of causing a political war with central beds, our answer, housing answer, is now in central beds. We've got to be able to get hold of some of their land and build on their land. They might not like it, but that's the answer to all our problems. And is that is is that just your your dream situation, Tom, or is that actually taking place? Uh, a lot of negotiations are taking place at the moment. Uh, the land value, because they're going through all the growth area, where they've got hundreds of acres that are going to be built on over the next two three years. Uh, we're sat down talking to them and trying to convince them, look, we need to be building on some of this land. But what about the people that live in Flittick or Woburn or Silso? What about them? They won't be happy with this, will they? No one will be happy with it, but it's the answer to Luton's problems. I'm sorry, I'm not responsible for central beds, I'm responsible for Luton. I know the central beds councillors won't like it, but if we have to fight them at a public inquiry, we will do. But you say it's, it, it, you're not responsible for central beds, yet you're shifting... Luton's problem onto them, aren't you? That there will no, be people not. in central beds who'll be going, hang on a second, whoa, back off, Tom, it's nothing to do with us. Uh, well, it is to do with them, because some of them's are families. Bed and breakfast doesn't just stop on Luton's boundaries. You know, we've got people from all, all over Bedfordshire in Luton. We've got choice-based lettings at the moment where people can move from Dunstable into Luton or Luton into Dunstable. You know, all over the county you can move through choice-based lettings. It's just widening that choice base lettings. I know people aren't going to like it. We've talked about it behind the scenes for years and years and years. You know, finally time's come to make it public and have a proper grown-up discussion on it all. We, we're hearing stories that uh, uh, the prospect of London boroughs placing their homeless in Luton. Yeah, is, is, that, is that happening? Is that going to happen? No, it's already happening. Enfield's already, uh, you know, got people. They've admitted that they've got people in uh, Luton. You had the report in The Guardian where it was either Acne or Camden has entered into an arrangement with a private landlord in Luton. The problem is, we've negotiated very favourable rates for these private sector lease properties, but the London boroughs can pay an awful lot more than us. Well, I don't understand how it works then, because Enfield is shifting people to Luton. You're shifting, Luton's shifting people to, to Bedford. It, 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 everyone's just being moved around. That's not solving anything, is it? 
is solving absolutely nothing at all. We bought a block of flats in Milton Keynes to put some of our homeless people in. Uh, we had no option. It was cheaper to actually go out and buy the block than, you know, use old towels for bed and breakfast. There's nothing worse than a family being in bed and breakfast. Absolutely nothing at all. So we tried to put them into proper housing, in, even though it is in the private sector. Uh, the problem is, if other people come in and take our private sector properties, we've got another big problem on our hands, where to put our own people. So, Tom, this is, finally, what, what are the solutions? Moving some people to central beds? Um... Letting us build housing, council housing or housing association properties on, all the devel- on some of the development land in central Bedfordshire. And have you got enough it's- properties guaranteed? Uh, no, we haven't. It's all part of the negotiations now. At the moment, Luton and Central Beds are in an housing crisis. You know, you've got Milton Keynes with under people in bed and breakfast. We're lucky in Luton the way we do things. We prefer using the private sector than hotels. But the answer to it, you've got all the growth areas coming forward, all get sat down around the table, have a proper discussion, and try and solve the county's homelessness on some of the growth areas. Won't be popular... But then you can't always be popular as a politician is the answer to some of the problems. Tom, I appreciate your time. Tom Shaw, councillor in charge of housing at Luton Borough Council. Well, if you just heard that, what do you think? If you live in central beds and they're going to put a load of homeless people from Luton over there, how do you feel about that? Luton is landlocked. There's no more room to build anywhere. So what do you think? 08459 455 555. Right, 829, here's Adam Glynn with the travel... Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. At the minute, thankfully, no further accidents to report. It's slow on the M1, though, southbound from Flittick to Hemel Hempstead, Junction 12 through to Junction 7 and 8. It's also slow on the northbound M1 from Flittick up toward Bedford, Junction 12 to 13. Anti-clockwise M25, still very busy from the M1 to the M40, Junctions 21 to 16. It's all very stop-start round there this morning. A1M, very slow moving between Letchworth and Stevenage, junctions 9 and 7. If the A10 is your route in toward London this morning, it's busy through Chesant approaching the Winston Churchill Way. And once you get beyond the M25, it's also slow through Enfield, with queues between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. The A41 in Aylesbury, got a bit of a queue building. Heavy traffic at the Woodlands roundabout, and from there through to the Esso roundabout. Trains at the present moment not running with any problems, really. Everything looking quite good on the departure boards. And no delays on the tubes if you're heading for London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 8.30, here's the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Police are stepping up patrols in West Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man who died after a shooting near Stevenage last month. And a block of flats in Luton has been set aside to house the area's homeless. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are through to the Championship playoff final at Wembley after an incredible match at Vicarage Road yesterday. The Hornets won 3-1, which made it 3-2 on aggregate. Troy Deeney scored their winning goal deep into stoppage time after goalkeeper Manuel Almunia had just saved a penalty. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola was almost lost for words. I don't have the words, to be honest. Well, we've gone... I think everybody's gone through a lot of emotions today and... Uh, and um, I think uh, in the end of the day, what has made the difference was, apart from Amunia, obviously, <laughs> it was uh, outstanding. It was uh, the desire not to give up. 
The Championship finals on Bank Holiday Monday two weeks today. Watford will find out who they play tonight as Brighton and Crystal Palace play their second leg semi-final. Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson has revealed that the club have rejected a transfer request from striker Wayne Rooney. The frontman's request to leave United was the reason behind Ferguson admitting Rooney for his final game in charge at Old Trafford yesterday. Rooney watched from the stands as a late Rio Ferdinand goal scored a 2-1 win. In rugby, Saracens lost their Premiership playoff semi-final by 27 points to 13 against Northampton Saints at Allianz Park. Saris were trailing 17-0 at half-time and couldn't recover after that. Director of Rugby Mark McCall was disappointed. Yeah, we were um, way, way below our best today, which is disappointing on, on, on such a big match. Um, we were poor in the first half in particular and made uh, a lot of mistakes, much, many more mistakes than we're used to making. Finally, Bedford Blues now know who they'll play in the Championship playoff final. Newcastle Falcons beat Leeds yesterday to progress through. The first leg will be played at Goldington Road on Thursday the 23rd of May. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and nine o'clock, we'll have a little bit more on Watford's victory at the weekend. We'll be talking about the Hatfield stage, but also... If you smoke when you're a mum, you're a bad mum. We had a gentleman on from the Freedom to Choose uh, Association who said, well, hey, come on a second. What you're saying is you're peddling dangerous propaganda that's not based on facts. When actually, if you are pregnant and you have a few fags, it, it, it can be good for you. It lowers your blood pressure. Ah, oh, right. OK. And that's, that's not dangerous propaganda, is it? No, that's based on fact. 08459 four double five five double five. We've yet to have a mum brave enough to call up and say, well, actually, I smoked when I, I was pregnant. What's the problem? What's your problem? 08459 four double five five double five. We've had uh, a few messages um, from uh, from some people on Facebook page about this. Truly says, I've long said that all pregnant women should give up. The rubbish that comes out of their mouths as an excuse not to stop is astonishing. And the fact they believe their own rubbish says an awful lot about them as a woman and mother. From my GP said it was better to cut down than to stop. Utter drivel. Of course it's better to stop. What planet do these people live on? David says, to be honest, I think smoking is pretty abhorrent anyway. But smoking while pregnant or around children is just ghastly. If people must smoke, they should keep it to themselves instead of sharing their toxic, foul-smelling fumes with those around them. Uh, And one more, Jenny says, of course pregnant women shouldn't smoke. And of course they should be advised not to smoke and warned of the dangers. But testing them? What do they propose to do if the test is positive? They can't exactly take the baby away before it's born on the grounds that the mother is unfit or irresponsible. Just seems like a waste of time, money and resources. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, the reason we're talking about this was in some of the papers yesterday, a couple of them today, expectant mums will be asked to take breath tests to prove if they're smoking during their pregnancy under new NHS guidelines. I find this figure incredible. An estimated 20% of women smoke while expecting, which is believed to lead to a low birth rate for their babies and cause complications in pregnancy and labour. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been in Watford this morning finding out what you think about this, Justin. Now, Justin, you are a smoker. Mm. Would you smoke if you were pregnant? No, hang no. on, that doesn't work. <laughs> do, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit fascist by saying that mums who, who, who smoke when they're pregnant, shame on you. No, not at all. And you know what? I can't actually remember the last time I saw a pregnant lady smoking. I honestly can't remember. I mean, there could be people 
people listening right now that say, I saw one last week. It's been years, because people surely now, in the year 2013, they know and they understand the I, risks. I, I've seen one in the last couple of months. Really? Yeah, yeah, wow. I have. And I didn't say anything, uh, but I, I thought, you know, mm. she looked the type, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly not right, is it? I mean, as you mentioned, I've been uh, in Watford this morning. I've been getting people's thoughts on this, and this is what people have had to say. Rosie, you are a smoker, but you haven't had any children. What's your thoughts on, on ladies who smoke during pregnancy? Um, I personally wouldn't do it, and, um, I, yeah, I would dis- discourage it if I saw someone doing it. So when was the last time you saw somebody who was pregnant and they were still smoking? Um, last year, I did, yeah. How did it make you feel? Uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you tempted to say anything to that person? I was, yeah, but I didn't really think it was my place, but I was tempted, yeah. So when that day comes, when you do have children, you're definitely going to get up, you definitely won't be smoking during pregnancy? Yeah, definitely not, no. Madam, what's your views on women who smoke during their pregnancy? I just don't think it's fair on the child at all, to be honest. I mean, I understand it's an addictive habit and it's hard to stop, but if you want to have a child, maybe you should think about stopping beforehand rather than when you're pregnant, so then you sort of save the baby a little bit. And a final word for yourself, madam, you've had a child, you didn't smoke during your pregnancy. What's your views on, on women that do smoke when they're expecting a child? I think they shouldn't smoke. I think they know that it damages the child, and I think it damage, does damage the child. When you see people that, that are doing this, it's been a while since I've seen them, do you, do you look at them and think, that's just disgusting? I don't think it's disgusting. I think it's very selfish, and I think they understand that they're causing damage and that they should know better. Gosh, imagine the risks, Justin, of, of cousins having children and smoking at the same time. It's just, a, just <laughs> ticking every box there, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, you gave me a challenge this morning to yeah. find a pregnant smoker. I certainly can't find Can one, and I can't find anybody who thinks that, that it is acceptable to smoke during pregnancy. I just cannot find those people JD, this morning. JD, hmm. when are you going to quit? Come on, it's oh, disgusting. You I know, stink when I know. you come in. And yeah, you look cool while you're doing it, but when are you going to quit? Come on. <laughs> It's addictive. And, you know, I, I, I do feel for pregnant women um, who, who are smokers. I do feel for them. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, if you want to have a child, surely you, you've got to weigh up the facts here and, and look at the information and think to yourself, it's just not healthy to be smoking during my pregnancy. I'm, I'm going to get you pregnant. Are you? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to oh, do. And that do you know me. what? That is a lovely thought. Dal, I got. I just need to play this to calm down. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get myself a cheesy crumpet. It tastes really cheesy and good. Right, I'm about to calm down now. Works every time. Uh, finally, Justin, mm. great bit of uh, local news this weekend. Mm. Watford's victory. Yeah. They go to the playoffs. I think it's in two weeks' time, isn't it? Bank holiday. We're going to go there in a second and, and, and uh, play some audio of what happened. But mm. Mm. as a football fan, you must be over the moon. Um, as a Luton supporter, it was uh, hard to take. Um, I'm in Watford this morning. I've been talking to Watford supporters. They have been giving me abuse, and um, you're going to be hearing that before nine. So, uh, yeah, very pleasant weekend. <laughs> hey, we will be hearing that a little bit later on. He was, l- let's be honest, in a world where we're supposed to be impartial, Justin Dee was furious this morning. He was very, very upset. We'll talk to him about, about that uh, a little bit later on. Now, Hatfield's £27,000 portable stage made its first appearance on Saturday afternoon for Folkstock, an acoustic music concert held in the town centre. The stage, which has been heavily criticised by local people, was bought during, uh, using the Porter's Prize winnings aimed to regenerate the local area. Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council invested in the stage to use for events which they say would attract new people to the area. Well, uh, our reporter Sophie Solaria was there. She shot a short video of the event, which you can see on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 
joined now by uh, Helen Meissner, Managing Director of the Folkstock Arcs Foundation. They organised the festival. What did you think of the stage, Helen? Well, when I turned up, I was... Uh, morning, Ian, by the way. Morning. morning. <laughs> I was really impressed. Um, I've done quite a few events at town centres, and normally it's a small stage cobbled together with a very rickety PA. And as I walked into White Line Square, I couldn't believe my eyes. And all the performers were very impressed. It's a very spacious structure. It's really well laid out. I think it'll be able to be used for lots of different events. You no know, orchestras it could be a fit in their choirs. Fit in there. Um, I don't see why it can't be used for promotion for local businesses and for local shops and cafes. You know, it's just tremendous. It was clean lines. Um, it looked smart. It's portable. I think that's brilliant because it can go anywhere in Hatfield Town Centre. And that's what they want it to do, to, to help bring the community together and get arts and culture more. We've heard, we've heard good things about this weekend. We spoke to one shopkeeper who said that um, his takings were up about 10%, which is, which is fantastic news. One of the criticisms we've heard, though, is that it was, it was very poorly advertised. What do you think about that, Helen? Well, that's a really good point. There were about 100 people at maximum in there. Um, it's an uphill struggle to get people to take a risk on musicians they have not heard on the radio or TV. Um, it's the best thing that could happen that people are making comments about it today because I know that the council made a lot of attempt to create some attractive posters that they put all round the town centre and beyond. I know one was seen in Dane End. That's a long way from Hatfield. Um, really, they wanted to build on the Olympic torch euphoria and they did put adverts in the local paper, all over the websites, Facebook. But people are very reluctant to go and see musicians that they haven't heard before. And when I was there, people said to me, oh, what's this artist called? What's this artist called? And I was introducing them all, and the mayor came, and she introduced a load of them as well, which I thought was really good that the mayor came to support the local event. But people didn't know about it, mainly because they... They don't necessarily realise that things are going on that they can enjoy and they don't take the risk. And we need to build up that belief that they can go to an event, have good music or good dance, a good local community interest company getting involved and have a lot more variety and take the risk. And, and there were adverts, there were posters, and this this being on the radio now helps the next event. We'd like to use it every month. We'd like to use it every week. Have you, have you spoken to, to the council about using it again? Well, at the end of the event, it went. there was some really positive feedback. Everyone was very happy. It went like clockwork. The musicians turned up on time. They performed as planned. It was unbelievable. It ended at two minutes before three. We felt that 12 to three was a significant amount of time for anyone watching to stand around in the town square. People came and went, but a lot of people came and stayed I think it was right that it was three hours of solid back-to-back variety of music with different instruments, ukulele, saxophone, clarinet, guitars, singer-songwriters. The talent in the area is phenomenal. And we need to help people realise what's available locally and to get out there and support it. Uh, have you spoken to the council about staging the event again? Um, sorry, yeah. Well, at the end of the event, sorry, I went off track there. You did a little bit, Helen. Yeah. I, I, I've reined you back in, don't worry, no one noticed. That's fine, I'm just so enthusiastic about the whole thing. I'm so proud to be on the first one. Yes, at the end of it, I said, um, really enjoyed doing it. They said, we really enjoyed having you. It seems to have gone very well. And they said, maybe we could do it again. And I said, well, maybe we could do it once a month or something. And, and they, they were said. like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, it's nothing official, but certainly I know they want other community groups to get involved as well. Stage is there, it's paid for. There's very little on costs now. 
Hey, listen, I'm, it, it would appear that uh, although the, the turnout was perhaps a little small, that, that it certainly was a success, at least for one local business. That's what it's all about. Uh, that's Helen Meissner, Managing Director of the Folkstock Arts, uh, Arts Foundation. 08459 455 555. We're also speaking this morning about the homeless situation in Luton which is so acute that an entire block of flats in the town has been set up, uh, set aside, sorry, to accommodate those with nowhere to live. Paul's in Luton. Paul, what do you think is the answer to this situation? Well, good morning, Ian. Um, there was a question I would like to put to the uh, housing councillor. Um, opposite the Pearly Centre, there was uh, eight blocks of flats. And what they actually done, they bulldozed them down, and it's been two years now, that land is sat there. Why aren't they building houses on there instead of going out, out in the countryside? It just sits there, you know. Um, that, that was the question I wanted to well, ask. Well, Tom, Tom, uh, Tom Shaw, the, uh, the councillor in charge of housing, is, isn't here anymore. But next time we get him on and, and we're talking about this, we'll, we'll certainly ask him. What do you think about the, uh, the uh, suggestion that the homeless people are shipped out out of Luton and move somewhere else? Well, I think it's wrong. I, I think that, that there's lots of pieces of small patches of land in Luton that can be built on. Why Why aren't they using this, this land in, in Luton itself? OK, well, next time we get Tom on, we will ask him. Thank you for that. 08459 455 555. You can also send me text as well if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Uh, OC is text in. Luton, no land. What about the old Vauxhall side? The truth is, Luton is very wasteful with the little land it has, duplicating retail parks where high-density housing could go. Why should the taxpayers of Central Beds bear the cost of social housing support when Luton can uh, squander £19 million on a pointless guided busway? 08459 555 555. 8.45. Here's the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. M1 northbound delays from Flittick at Junction 12 through to 13 at Bedford. It's looking a little bit slower than usual there, taking maybe 10-15 minutes to get through. The bigger delays, though, are on the southbound side, where it's slow from Flittick through to Junction 8 and 7 at Emil Hempstead. Could take you 45 minutes to get through the traffic there. Stop start on the M25, anti-clockwise from the M1 to the M40. A1M continues continues to look busy from Letchworth to Stevenage. Around Watford, the A412 is quite slow this morning, just after the Town Hall roundabout. A40 in High Wycombe, a lane closed off for bridge survey work near to Lily's Walk. It's on the Abbey Way flyover. Could get quite slow. Doesn't look too bad at the minute on the speed sensors. On the trains, we thankfully haven't got any major issues. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, it's 8.46, it's Monday the 13th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are stepping up patrols in West Luton after another shooting over the weekend. A fresh appeal for information has been launched by the family of a 21-year-old man who died after a shooting near Stevenage last month. And in sport, Watford are through to the Championship playoff final at Wembley after beating Leicester 3-1 at Vicarage Road yesterday. Well, coming up, we'll be talking about that Watford match yesterday with our reporter, Justin Dilley, who was so thrilled with the result, he can barely contain himself. If you, by the way, 15 minutes, if you're a Watford supporter and you want to phone up and wind Justin Dealey up, give us a call. 08459 455 555. Now is the time for you to have your laughs and to take the mickey out of Dealey, a Luton supporter, and uh, really rub his nose in it. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the weather now. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. Well, we're waking up to a bit of a mix barrack today. There's a bit of cloud, there's a bit of sun, there's quite a lot of wind and one or two showers as well moving through the three counties and that's really how the day's going to pan out. Some brighter spells later on, but then later on this afternoon perhaps some heavier showers with a bit of hail mixed in there as well. Uh, Temperature-wise, fairly chilly. Maximum temperature getting up to 14 Celsius, 57 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, any showers will move out of the way towards the early part of the evening, leaving it clear and dry. It's a cold front that moves south that's where the showers are but once that gets out of the way some colder air behind it so it's quite a chilly night on the car temperature down to five or six celsius perhaps cooler in the more local spots so a bright start to tuesday but don't be lulled into a full sense of security if you're up early because the cloud will increase quite quickly and some rain some wet windy weather on the way for tomorrow some strong wind as well maximum temperature 12 celsius so cooler than today at 54 degrees in fahrenheit and that's your forecast Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. It took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ten minutes. If you're a Watford supporter and you want to tease Justin Dealey, our uh, reporter and Luton supporter, 08459 455 555. The reason that you might be so excited is because if you heard our coverage of the Watford game yesterday, you'd have heard something like this. Anthony Canocott has the chance to send Leicester City to Wembley. Amunia saves it! And again, Cassetti clears! Unbelievable! Unbelievable of Vicarage Road! Amunia keeps Watford in it! And Amunia breaks downfield and finds Forestieri! Forestieri right into into the area, gets the crossing, Hawk is there, heads it down! Dean is That was a very high-pitched John Marks, barely containing his emotions there as Watford scored in the 96th minute of their playoff game against Leicester City to go through to the final at Wembley. Well, if you're a Watford fan, no doubt you were as excited, if not more so, than John. One man who was at the game and witnessed the drama of it all is Mike Parkin, president of the Watford Fan Podcast from the Rookery End. He joins me now. Well, congratulations, Mike. Thanks very much, Ian. Um, what a way to start a Monday morning, listening to that again. Absolutely fantastic. Was it as in... Mo- Listen, I, I, cards on the table. I don't get football. No. I, I couldn't understand what was going on there. Was it as emotional as that for you? Uh, probably more so, actually, Ian. As a, as a football supporter, you dream of your of your club being involved in these big games when the, the nation's eyes are trained on, on your club for the day. But, but even the most optimistic crazy, um, creative football fan could never have come up with that ending. It was just beyond all belief. Um, and, and the wave of emotion that just swept through Vicarage Road, there's a guy stood in front of me, he must be 45, 50 years old, in absolutely floods of tears. One guy just screaming, much like John Marks was there. It was just 
wonderful scenes, amazing stuff. What was the atmosphere in the stadium when Watford conceded the penalty late into injury time? I think it's very difficult when something like that happens so late at the end of the game, you know there's nothing you can do about it and it was just stunned sort of disbelief really everyone was just sort of stood there waiting for the inevitable because very rarely do the people miss penalties um being Watford fans of course we're used to things going there, going there uh, against us in the worst and most painful possible way so there was a bit a bit of sort of glum dumb resignation really but but when that save happened um the noise i've never heard anything like it inside inside vicarage road and and the roar as Watford broke that Watford the players were just swept forward on a sort of tidal wave of um incredible noise and I, I just can't, I can't get over it still. Are they going to win the final in two weeks' time? Well, I promised myself I'm going to have a couple of days just remembering yesterday um, to get over that before I think about the final. But I think Watford showed yesterday um, that they can play incredibly well under incredibly trying circumstances. We've got one of the best teams in the division. Um, and as a Watford fan, it's, uh, it's very rare we get to say that. We're good enough to win in. Um, and obviously, I sincerely hope we will. But whatever happens, it'll be a fantastic day. Am, am I right in thinking that this next match, the, the final, is worth 120 million pounds. Yeah, I think I think the, the numbers do vary slightly, but it is it has the tag of the richest game in football because, of course, when you get promoted to the Premier League, you get a different um, a different set of TV money coming into the uh, coming into the club that that's divvied up from all the deals that the Premier League do with the TV companies. And then even if you get relegated this year, you, you get what's called parachute payments, which are designed to help clubs that get get relegated, and, and those payments have gone up as well. So I think I'm right in saying, Ian, that the team that finishes bottom this year will win as much in prize money as, as the Manchester club did this, this year, whether it's Man City or Man United, one for finishing first or second. The team that finishes bottom next year will receive that, that amount next year. So, uh, Mike, what will you be doing to make sure your team win? Do you, I, I'm, I'm guessing you've got rituals and things you have to do. Yep, yesterday before the game I went through my um, uh, my uh, satellite recorder and deleted off all the games in which Watford hadn't performed well. I watched some of the ones in which they had performed well. Um, I, checked my, uh, I checked my wardrobe to work out what I was wearing on Thursday because I went to Leicester for the, for the first leg and we didn't win that. So I put all those um, clothes in the wash immediately. Wow. Uh, completely new outfit. Um, watch some of uh, Matty Vidra's goals on 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 TV because he's he's been on a bit of a um, bit of a poor run recently. He's had a, a, I a thought you were just going to say you had a lucky pair of pants or something. This is like a whole lifestyle change. It's a complicated business, Ian. But as you can see, it did the business. It worked, Mike. Listen, uh, I wish you the best of luck, uh, and much. hopefully we'll be speaking in a couple of weeks with uh, with more good news. I sincerely hope so. Thanks, Mike, Ian. Mike, thank you very much indeed. Well, someone who's enjoying every second of this, Justin Daly. Justin, mm. you, you spent the morning in Watford. You must be over the moon. Yes, as a Luton Town fan, this is very tough. But, um, Ian, I found Sophie. Sophie is a season ticket holder at Watford, and she is an attractive Watford fan. Trust me, this is a rarity, Ian. Hang on a second. I found one. Welcome to 1986. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Uh, Sophie, you love a crossbed salts and bucks. I mean, just how nerve-wracking was yesterday for you? Yesterday was so nerve-wracking whole game I couldn't stop shaking my hands were going mad um, I was absolutely devastated when the penalty was given um, but justice was done and uh, justice. karma Karma. Justice was Justice done. Karma. It's karma as well, Ian. It's karma. <laughs> so Brighton or Palace, um, whoever it may be, do you think you will now get promotion to the Premier League? Hopefully it will be Brighton. Um, yes, we'll 100% do it. Vidra's going to get his hat-trick at Wembley and um, we will definitely be in the Premiership next season. Wowzers, a hat-trick for Vidra. And you've got 10 seconds here. As I'm a Luton Town supporter in Watford, you've got 10 seconds to abuse me. The airwaves are yours. <laughs> 
loon scum, that's all I can say. Oh, Ian, did you hear that? I, d- I did hear it, and I, yes. I think you two ought to sort this yes, out. Yes, I, th- I think we should do, but a uh, bit, bit of friendly banter. Um, so that was uh, Sophie there. I've been talking to uh, Watford supporters earlier, Ian, as well, and this is what they had to say. Richard, you were there. Can you um, just talk for us with your very weak voice this morning? <laughs> Absolutely incredible. For the game to change so quickly in the space of 20 seconds, um, to go from one end to the other, our heads were down, quick breakaway, fantastic skill like they've shown all season, and a brilliant finish, and then just the pure outpouring of emotion onto the pitch um, was understandable in the circumstances. just makes you feel that they're unbeatable at the moment, and, and uh, things are meant to be. I mean, you're in work today. Do you reckon you're going to get through? Can you do a whole day's work after what happened yesterday? You're emotionally drained, aren't you? I think it might be a struggle. Um, Just uh, staying off some of the websites, watching the goal again and again, actually, (laughs) is going to be a bit difficult not to do that. But, uh, yeah, um, I suppose um, it's quickly how you move on to the next game now. We want to get all the way now. Um, We've done almost everything we need to do, and we want to win now in the final. Who do you fancy, Palace or Brighton? I would rather have Palace, to be honest, because I think we've got a better record against them. Um, Brighton like to play a bit of football which would mean a better game but I fancy Palace to be honest with you OK and you think you will go through to, to the Premier League? Uh, I think the gods are dictating that hopefully um, that will be the case and uh, some of the football we've played this season has been some of the best in the Championship so I think they deserve it. Fiona you've won yourself some cash, you had a bet yesterday tell us what you bet on. I bet on Watford, took a bit of a risk because there was an open bet for uh, first person to score first and then correct score at the 90 minutes so I went with Vidra to score first uh, Watford to win 3-1 I couldn't believe it that in the 89th minute they broke from the penalty, took it to their end and scored. So how much did you win? I got a 40-1 to 1 win, I'm not going to tell you how much I put on. Right. Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough so you're happy about the bet I you're, sure you're delighted about the result a week today, next Monday at Wembley, can you go all the way can you win, can you go to the Premier League? I think we can I think they've had a really good season. They've really stepped up from the plate because I think at the beginning of the season were they not mid-table and they've stepped up all the way since obviously the new manager's come on board. I'm sure they're going to make it to the Premiership and I'm using those winnings to buy tickets to go and see them bank holiday. Right, now, Dealey, mm. grow up. Why? Grow, what, what have I done? Grow up. I want you now to apologise to the Watford fans that you've been dissing all morning. What have I done? I've been there three times in the last few weeks. I've been totally professional. I want you to apologise to them and I want you to wish them the very best of luck and do it sincerely. Hey, listen. (laughs) 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 Off the back of yesterday, I think justice was done, actually, because it was never a penalty and uh, Watford showed a lot of spirit to get there. Uh, And fair play to them um, for for getting there. I think that's as far as it's going to go, being a hatter. Wish them a little... Wish them the best of luck in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, so I've sorted out my differences with Sophie. She, um, she admits for a Luton fan, I'm pretty hot, so we're okay. Why are you avoiding the... Why, just uh, wish them luck. It's very, very hard. You see, you not being a football fan, you don't understand this. I've tried to be professional, you know, fair play for, for getting to the final. Wish but um, I can't sit here and wish them luck. I just can't do that. And true football fans would understand that, Ian. You are cold, Dealey. Cold. See you later on. Thank Ta-ta. you. There we go. It's Justin Dealey out there. Unable to wish Watford fans luck. Listen, I'm impartial. I wish you the best of luck. I hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating the good news in a couple of weeks' time. Right, here's Adam with the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. A421 on the southbound side in Brogbrook. Now, we had reports quite early this morning of a broken down lorry. We thought it might be gone, but no, it's still there causing queues and problems. It's just as you come down toward the M1 at Junction 13. 
and it's looking a little bit slow with people having to slow on the opposite side so that people can get past. Police have confirmed that one for us. M1 northbound delays from Flittick to Milton Keynes. It's taking you 25 minutes going northbound there and it's still quite slow on the southbound side from Junction 11 at Dunstable through to 7 and 8 at Hemel Hempstead. Anti-clockwise M25 stop start from the M1 through to the M40 at Junction 16. M40 hasn't been too bad this morning. Looking at the cameras now, passing High Wycombe, it seems to be running okay. A1M on the southbound side, now that's very slow from Junction 9 at Letchworth through to 7 at Stevenage. We've got a fair bit of traffic building on the A1 if that's where you're going in toward London this morning. Borehamwood, Stirling Corner through to Mill Hill Circus. On the trains though, no major problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam, that's it. I'm back tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Best of luck to JBS tonight. Oh, do win an award. That'd be great. Back tomorrow at 6, Jonathan's up next. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. Coming up today... So many people now on the streets with guns and knives. It's just so silly.